We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up on a Monday night, Tuesday morning, whenever you might be listening to this. I am Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Rights Podcast. Colin and I react to this team's, I don't know if you want to call this improbable, long-awaited, whatever you want to call it, their run to a 3-0 and performance in the Coral Gables Regional, how it came to be, and uh, the toughness this team showed and uh, pretty much every other aspect. You really need an intro to a podcast on a night like this. I think you guys know what we're going to talk about and probably how we're going to talk about it as well. So Ole Miss is on to the Super Regionals. They win a road regional for the first time in the Mike Bianco era. They uh, destroy so the back end of a depleted Arizona pitching staff for a 22-6. to Is that what it was? I don't even remember what the final score was. I think it's 22-6 to win over Arizona. And uh, we look ahead a little bit into the Hattiesburg Super Regional as well. So I wanted to get a podcast out as quickly as possible for the people. So Colin and I hit record about an hour after the uh, final pitch sounded out. And uh, really, I don't know, everything that happened this weekend kind of encapsulated the good and the bad of this 2022 season. And that's kind of what made it um, kind of the perfectly fitting weekend that it was. So anyway, got into a lot of different stuff and took you guys' questions at the end. So buckle up. Great conversation ahead. Before we get to that, though, I want to remind you the podcast is brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website, the inventors of the Skybox Matrix Rental and Events Modeling Mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. Need to check these guys out. They had another profitable weekend in NASCAR over the weekend. They've got some NBA final stuff on the site. Uh, get geared up for football season. Maybe increase your bankroll a little bit. Let Skybox make you some money throughout the summer before we hit football season in full swing. They're going to make you money more consistently than your own brain. You don't want the bookie texting you on Sunday night, Monday morning, asking you to square up. You want to be texting him, asking where your supplementary income is coming from. Skybox is going to do that for you more consistently than anyone else. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Go find a picks package. You can do month-long, week-long, season-long. I recommend just going all sports, all year long, the all-access pass. It's going to pay for itself and then some because doing business with Skybox is an investment that always cashes. Use the promo code RIPPEE, R-I-P-P-E-E, and that'll get you 20% off any purchase, and we'll also let them know we sent you. Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. Go see Greg. If you're Rippy Wright subscriber, that's rippywrights.substack.com. Type in your email. Get a free newsletter from me a couple times a week and discounted meats. Right now it's a 16-ounce prime strip for 20 bucks and a five prime strip, not shrimp. That would be a different sponsor. 
prime, prime strip, can't talk today, and a $5 pack of sausage, that's one hell of a way to kickstart your weekend. Go in there, show and prove a subscription. It'll get you set up and then find your own favorites. Oxford's so lucky to have a place like LB's. It is absolutely the best place in Mississippi to get meat and the world for that matter. Uh, all kinds of delicious cuts, fresh seafood. I like the filet burgers, tri-tip, all kinds of great stuff there. Go find your own favorites. If they don't have it, Greg will get it for you. He wants to make your grilling experience great. We've got 4th of July coming up. Uh, it's prime grilling season. Let Greg take your grilling experience to the next level. Check them out, LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. All right, here is Colin Brister on Ole Miss making it out of the Coral Gables Regional. All right, we now welcome on Rippy Rides baseball correspondent Colin Brister. And we are in the exact same place we were last year. Never a doubt, exact same. Well, Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. So, so that's what I was going to say. Like, at the beginning of the year, right, we expected this team to win a regional and play in a super regional in Mississippi. Both of those things are happening. Next. Yeah, the same thing as last week. They were in the tournament, never a doubt. We said that, you know, five, three weeks ago. There's just never a doubt. This team is just fulfilling prophecies left and right. The Rebels go down to Florida, um, survive the rain. They played the best baseball out of any of the three teams with a chance in that regional. They win two really tough, gritty games to put themselves in the driver's seat. And they did exactly what you're supposed to do when you go through the winner's bracket of a regional. You take advantage of a depleted pitching staff of the team that had to go through the loser's bracket, and you remove all doubt by being the offense that you were supposed to be. And I got to say, we talked about this on Thursday, uh, or whenever it was we last recorded before the Coral Gables regional started. This was a region, This was a winnable regional, um, but I, I didn't pick them to win it and couldn't in good faith pick them to win it honestly, because of what they showed. I didn't think they could do exactly what they showed on Friday, or I guess that'd be Saturday and Sunday night. I'm going to get the days wrong 200 times today. Just get used to it. But in games one and game two, the way they came back in the sixth inning after being down, and they've done that a couple times this year, but not nearly often enough to justify right. a good baseball team. And the, sad, the Sunday game against Miami was really the game I didn't think they had in them to win. They played an errorless game where things went – completely to shit at the plate for six innings you had one of those like they've had so many like situations they've had a handful of situational uh, situations this year for the lack of a better phrase for situational hitting that has looked so bad it like makes you audibly gasp and instead of that sinking them in that moment in a game like that they manufacture something out of nothing and the bullpen was nails and maybe I should have seen the latter part of that coming but I say all of that to wrap up the thought I thought they this winnable this regional was winnable I didn't think they would win it because I didn't think they had the Saturday and particularly the Sunday in them. Yeah, that's exactly uh, the, the Sunday one's right is uh, the, the two to one game where um, you got to pitch the crap out of it, man, because those games that, that that's the game that you got to win. Um, I remember back in 2014 against Washington, it was a two to one game. Uh it just kind of felt similar. You've got to be able to pitch it and because when you get into these games, man, you're going to face really good pitchers, and Palmquist was really good. Um, you can talk about the offense not being competitive on Sunday and, and the first seven innings or whatever it was, and it wasn't. I guess the first 6.2 innings, and it, and it wasn't. But Palmquist gave that kid a lot of credit. He was really, really good. And sometimes that happens, man. Sometimes you run into an elite arm that's really good and really on, and you just got to hang in there. Give Connor Elliott a lot of credit, who did not have his best stuff and was off mechanically. Give Mason Nichols the MVP of that game for keeping them in it, minimizing that. And then Brandon Johnson continues to be nails at the back end of the bullpen. Um, but you're right. That's the game that, that it, 
if if you had told me on Sunday or excuse me on Monday after they make the tournament, hey, they're not going to get out of here, I'd say, well, I think they're going to win the, the, the Arizona game because I did think that, and they're just not going to be able to to sustain Miami from an offensive perspective and keep themselves in that and have a shot. Um, and then they'll run out of pitching in the loser's bracket. That That's how I would guess it would happen. And to their credit, they didn't let that happen. Um, man, they that, that was fun to watch. That's the team we thought they should be all year. It's unfortunate that it didn't happen in April um, and it didn't happen in March, but that is the team that, that in 2022 you expected Ole Miss to be, right? And we built up this storyline all year just to add on to what you're talking about. You're right. I mean, it is unfortunate for them that they had the call this way, right, that it happened so late in the season that they're playing in Coral Gables. Oh, no, that's a shame. Kevin O'Sullivan lost his regional. Oh, really? Oklahoma came back to win that? Wasn't Florida up 3 yeah, they, they were, and then they gave up four and lost. Okay. I was watching it. So, we were recording this about 8.45 East uh, – I don't know why I keep saying Eastern time. Central Central time. I was watching that up until about 7.25 and then started prepping a bit for this podcast. That's interesting. What do we got? Uh, this is terrible podcasting, but I don't have it pulled up. What's uh, What we got Arkansas – uh, Oklahoma State, right? Uh, that's that's not that's not very pretty. It is uh, five to one in the bottom of the seventh, Arkansas. So after they score a billion and a half runs, now they have six in the seventh inning in Game Seven. That makes good sense. Yeah, but um, I wouldn't put anything past Oklahoma State because the way they're playing baseball right now um, <laughs> just really kind of defies all uh, all all logic. Anyway, down twelve zero and first game in one both games. That was special. Keeping it kind of – but furthering your sure. thought a little bit, like you're talking about, like, yeah, it's a shame that Ole Miss is playing on the road and it's coming, you know, in Miami instead of this happening in Oxford, Mississippi. But to this team's credit, they are now two wins away from that not really mattering. Look, it, sure. it does matter in some – you know, if you're coloring in the lines of the season. Um, and, you know, I would say it, it anecdotally matters. But in terms of just the overall result, they're two wins away from it not mattering. And – you know, Chase and I did an emergency podcast last night. Are you allowed to say what you were doing? You're an educator now, but I would have done the same thing. Um, I was enjoying the the Ole Miss win. There we go. Sure. That's that's all we need to. That's all we need to say. So we had to make enjoying the Ole Miss win. Yeah, that's all we need to. <laughs> that's all we need to say about it. The uh, but so I called in Chase for an emergency pod, and for those of you that listen to that. Uh, last night, this is going to be somewhat repetitive, and it doesn't matter at all. I mean, look, we're recapping the entire regional here. I mean, we're only 12 hours uh, removed, or actually that's about 20, 20 24 hours somewhere in there sure. removed from uh, doing that one. But just kind of looking back at the regional as whole, Chase and I were talking about a couple of different things. And it's, I think the big one is the Miami game. Um, yeah. Because, again, that's the one where I was like, can they really win a game like that? And they were able to do it. Um, Hunter Elliott, I mean, I'll get your thoughts on it. I kind of gave my yeah. – Day. you're right he didn't have his best stuff he's off mechanically he looked a little bit nervous for the first inning inning and a half it looked like he was guiding the baseball a little bit definitely trying to find it but for that kid and a freshman in that moment not to implode with the bases loaded in the first inning yep, that's the inning if it wasn't him and it wasn't kind of what he's become known for uh is slipping out of situations I, I in the back of my mind I still thought this kind of has three nothing four nothing written all over it or potentially worse and Ole Miss is going to spend the entire afternoon chasing the game against a really good arm on the other side he gets out of it with no damage done and then he continues to do it I don't know how many base runners he stranded total I believe the leadoff runner reached a small village four consecutive innings and he did not allow any damage and you could talk about you know, what he is as a pitcher aside but just to have the composure in a moment like that as a freshman on a Saturday guy in Ole Miss's biggest game of their season, bar none, was the most impressive part to me. You can talk about him not having it 
and whatever. That is what it is. That happens some days. But for a guy like that to not implode, you see older guys implode in that system. Yeah. You see older guys on this roster implode. It's really remarkable, and I kept try, I keep trying to shy away from doing the Doug McKay thing because that's not totally fair. But man, it would help if that kid would cut his hair and not wear twenty six. That would really help uh, me not be tempted by that. But you know, composure wise, it is really yeah. simple. that might be the fairest comparison. So, they don't pitch right. the same other than with the same hand, but like that might be the fairest comparison. Yeah, and, and I think so. The uh, from a skill set perspective, Doug was uh, I, I don't think I'd get much argument. Um, when, by the time Doug left Ole Miss, he was obviously a, a leaps and bounds, a better pitcher than Hunter Elliott is right now. Now, Hunter could take that leap and become the pitcher that Doug was, I think. I think that the tools are certainly there. Um, but from a composure standpoint, he doesn't get rattled at all. Um, he's a little bit – and I don't want this to come off wrong, um, and, and you may disagree with me, but he's a little bit cocky in a good way. Not like Tennessee arrogant, like where you're flipping people off running the bases. But, like, he just, he just believes he's better than you. And, and he is better than a lot of kids, um, especially for Miami yesterday. Um, but, but it's good that he has that confidence. And maybe that's the better word is, is confidence. He doesn't lack for it, which is, which is a good thing. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to make that sound like I'm calling. You're kid right. Arrogant. It borders on arrogant. It borders on uh, like cock. It's not even arrogance. It's cockiness. Chase had a good anecdote yesterday, just to add some color to your point here, real quick. Is like, you know, this is what I don't get. You know, not being around the team every day anymore. But Chase said, you know, throughout the year they've, you know, asked kind of the softball layup bad media question of, you know, you know, are you feeling more confident? You know, now now that you've had X moment behind you, and he always kind of shrugs it off. It's like I've always been confident. I think I'm pretty good. So, like, to add to your point, that's the answer he's given all year to the, wow, you're a freshman doing this. Are you gaining confidence? It's like, no, I've always been that way. Yeah. And, and man, you don't you don't come out of that situation like you did in the first inning if you don't have confidence, if you don't believe in yourself. Because he was all over the place. Um, I would like to, and I don't have these. I, I'd probably get them. Um, his fastball has has to have something extra on it that the, that the gun doesn't pick up because it really, really plays up. For 87 to 89 mile hour fastball. Have you noticed that? Like guys are late on that thing and can't really track it. Um, and it's not overwhelming, Milo. So I don't know what the rap soto numbers will say, but man, that fastball has really good life. Because here's the thing: he didn't have the changeup or the curveball. Uh, it's more slider, but he didn't have either off speed pitch in the first inning. He had to ambush them with fastballs because that's the only thing you can get over the plate. And to his everlasting credit, he did. He owned Miami from that perspective. And that's what takes the stones, right, is you don't have overwhelming velocity. You're a freshman searching for everything else to kind of have the, one, the skill, but also just the balls to be able to challenge them with fastballs over portions of the plate and, you know, not have it end up in Miami's indoor practice facility where John Jay and whoever the other announcer is is going to debate whether it's gone or so 500 bad. feet over the fence. Uh, we can get to that later. It's, oh I've got some good God. ones for you. But it's it's having the balls to do that. And then – I mean, look, running out of the good things you can say about Hunter Elliott, right? Like, I mean, that was another reason why I thought they had a chance as much as I wouldn't want to pick them because of the way they play sometimes is Ole Miss has had better teams and they've had worse teams go into regionals with worse one-two combinations than what Delusha and Elliott have become. And that absolutely ended up being the difference in a way in each regional was Delusha kept them in it and then Hunter Elliott was just a little bit better than the other side. And that's – he kept Ole Miss in it and gave them a chance. I say a little bit better than the other side. I thought Plumkus was okay. 
yeah, like, you know, you get what I'm saying. That kept him in the game. It was every bit as good, and Ole Miss kind of edged him out offensively in the end. He gave Ole Miss a chance to be that much better is what I should say. And and then the MVP did what the MVP does. Um, you know, Tim Elko struggled the last two weeks of the regular season. Excuse me, the last week of the regular season, and then against Vanderbilt, he struggled. Um, and, and there were some times this year that uh, that he probably didn't swing it as well as he thought or, or as much as he wanted to. But, man, nobody else you want up in that situation. He is – he is one of the best hitters, if not he, – he's a top five hitter for me um, that I've seen play at Ole Miss. He is, he is special, and he came through in every situation that Ole Miss needed him to this weekend. Like, I, I know it's crazy, but when it was first and second and, and they did not bring Walters in, um, which I didn't understand, by the way. Um, I didn't but, either. But when they didn't bring him in, I'm like, he's getting a hit. They're going to throw a fastball first pitch, and he's going to rocket it. And by God, he did. His his opposite field power is insane. Um, but man, he he just comes through and and gives that kid a lot of credit because it, it it he deserves a lot more credit than what he just does on the field, right? Because without this, this team could have folded. This team could have wilted. And um, between him and Ben Van Cleve, when they're seven and fourteen in the SEC, they're a major key to why this team didn't give up and didn't didn't quit fighting. Uh, yeah, you're you're exactly right. Um, on that front, I was trying to go through it. I think he was retired twice. Uh, sounds right. Two for two with two walks against Miami, one for three against Arizona, and then four for four today. So Arizona was the only team that actually got him out in a literal sense. <laughs> he was put out twice in the uh, opener. I believe he had a tank job in that game. Um, and that was the only two times he got out. I believe the last – I guess the last two games that would make him – Six for six with three home runs. Is that correct? No, I, I don't know. I'm yeah, three home runs today. Yeah, yeah, three, three home runs. Now. Yeah, so that uh, that seems like that'll work. That'll hunt. He had like a, almost three thousand OPS for the for the weekend. He hit seven seventy eight with a two twenty one two two thousand eleven uh, slug percentage. That like, is correct. Whoa. That is correct. So you're reading Sus's tweet? That's a 3,000 OPS almost? Yeah, it's 3,000 OPS. We'll see if he can sustain that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'll ask you this, and I know we're getting a little bit off the regional front. We talked on Monday, I believe it was, that, you know, hey, if you did get through this, who would uh, who would you would you rather play Southern Miss or, or LSU? I will tell you, uh, my answer on Monday was LSU because I didn't think LSU was as good as Southern Miss. Um, after watching them this weekend and adding Doty and adding Barry back, my answer changed about Saturday night, when, especially after they beat Southern Miss. I'm like, I just think I'd rather go to the CUSA Park and deal with that, and we'll see what happens. Um, I did not want to deal with that lineup from LSU right now. So, um, I'm actually I – was, I was definitely pulling for Southern Miss when that baseball came today. I couldn't decide. I went back and forth a couple times. I mean, look, on the surface, it sounds nuts to want to go to Alex Box for a Super Regional in June – but if you look at the Southern Miss team, and we'll get into this obviously a little bit more later in the week, that's a team that's actually built around the pitching staff. Everyone remembers yeah. the offense from a year ago. They were a top half, top you know, top four, top five offense in the Conference USA this year, but they led the Conference USA in pretty much every pitching category. They have really good starting pitching. And what has Ole Miss struggled to hit? Really good starting pitching. Well, yep. how good is really good Conference USA starting pitch, you know what I mean? That would be the ultimate test where I kind of know what I'm getting from LSU's pitching in general. But, you know, be that as it may, it is what it is. Um, I mean, look, I, I could I could see both sides of the argument. I'm not even necessarily sure I disagree. I'm I'm probably playing middleman 
on that one. I can see both sides, and it is what it is. I do think at the end of the day, there was probably some value in Ole Miss not going down to Alex Box Stadium for a Super Regional in June because as impressive as what they did in the early May, um, that's going to be a whole different deal down there. You're going to have to win five of six in Alex Box Stadium to go to the College World Series. That seems hard. Yeah, that does seem very difficult to do. Um, I guess you could say you now – well, no, actually, three of four in Pete Taylor. Three of four, yeah. Yeah, that makes a yeah, little – I'll take that. Yeah, and so I'm just trying to bounce around here. And this, you know, we're kind of rambling, but that's kind of what these reaction shows are. And I didn't get your thoughts on some of the stuff last night. The Friday night game, let's go back to Arizona for sure. a bit, or the Saturday night game. Um, Peyton Chatagnier, I waited like 55 minutes into last night's podcast to kind of give the Chatagnier um, moment. And that was probably I kind of uh, credit. That was probably a little bit too late um, because honest to God, I mean, look, and that's we can get into a big picture piece of this in a minute because I do kind of have an over-all-encompassing thought on it. We're probably not having this conversation if it's not for Peyton Chatagnier. Like, the rest of this seems kind of moot if he did not do what he did late Saturday yep. Um. Yeah, and and good on him. Um, that that kid had went through a lot this year. He got benched at one point and came back and still wasn't very good, but he played good defense. And, and that was the thing, right? He never took his bad offense into the field. And now he's hitting, man. Um, he, he, he comes up with a big hit, uh, two big hits on, on Friday night and then hits a home run to get Ole Miss the lead back and has another RBI double today. Seven um, for 13 with 10 runs driven in on the weekend for Peyton Chatagnier. Yeah, I mean, he's special. And, and look, this kid's a good player. He just went through a rough stretch this year. And um, good on him for not giving in and, and continuing to fight. Um, the, kid, the, the kid's played a lot of good baseball for Ole Miss and I, I was happy for him this weekend because you're right they don't get out of this thing without him and they don't get out of this thing without him hitting well um because he came up in big spots and pretty much every single time he delivered yeah, I mean all likelihood their season ends on Sunday if if it wasn't for him and what he did Saturday night I mean it just kind of is what it is Ole Miss was okay offensively I thought Irvin controlled the game the first time through the order and then they kind of got after him a little bit the second time through without the results, and then they finally got to him. But, I mean, look, if he doesn't put, you know, those two barrels on the two balls that he hit, um, we're like I keep saying, we're not really having this conversation today. And so, you know, you talk about a, a guy that really, really cares, really, really gives a shit um, vocally too. You know, at times we've questioned the team's body language throughout the year, and it's been fair, I think, when we did it. It hasn't been – I wouldn't say lacking or toxic or whatever word you want to use throughout the entirety of the year, but there were some times you were wondering, like, did this team quit? Well, I mean, you could look at one kid out there at second base, and he certainly did it. Yeah. I go back to that random example. They're playing that tight Friday game. I think it's a game two, maybe it's Saturday game, game two, against um, Alabama, and they're down, but someone made a diving catch in right field. And everyone else just kind of jogged off the field. Things weren't going well for Ole Miss. But Peyton Chatagnier, like, took two jumps and ran out there. I think it was Leatherwood and, like, slapped him on the butt or whatever. It was acting like he just made a catch to send him to Omaha. And, like, that kind of enthusiasm never faded, no matter how terribly things went for him. Because this is a kid that started pretty much every game or played in – definitely played in, started in pretty much every game since he's gotten here. He gets benched at Kentucky – and when he gets reinserted in the lineup, it doesn't immediately get better. And to have the no. to kind of keep the energy, defense, and I mean, really just attitude uh, up through all of that and not fold um, is pretty impressive because I mean, see, they have another kid that plays infield for them that when's the last time you heard of him? Because he kind of did. And I'm not like casting stones one way or another, but I'm just saying it's easy to do. Yeah. No, it's, uh, man, it's impressive. And, and there's a lot of cool stories on this team, right? Um, of guys that, that didn't have the years they wanted to just continue to grind, right? Um, 
and 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 their two wins from like that's what's crazy. They're two wins from none of this shit mattering. None of it. Um, it doesn't matter that they were seven fourteen in the league. It doesn't matter that they went two and two against Mississippi State and lost the 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 series at home to the worst team in the SEC. It doesn't matter. Um, you're two wins away from literally the entire bad part of the year having no relevance. To, and that's the funny thing, right? Um, because people always talk about like, hey, the regular season doesn't matter. Well, hell, you're two wins away from it not mattering. And that's the funny part because people are always, you know, um, remembering, you know, how the how the postseason went. Well, um, if that's the case, then, then like I continue to say, you're two wins from, you know, a pretty putrid and, and underwhelming regular season not making it, not making a crap, which is kind of hilarious when in, in the spectrum of everything that's going on around Ole Miss baseball. Yet if they don't win the Governor's Cup and don't win at Southern Miss, then they're probably not even having the opportunity to get it. Granted, they probably got a little bit of favor getting in. Like, you're right. It's a perfect, like, weird sport. The regular season doesn't matter at all and then matters to the nth degree. It just really depends on how the season goes. Our college baseball is a short season, but it also affords you at the same time enough time to turn things around, right? Ole Miss was 7-14 and and had to go 7-2 and in its final SEC games to even have a prayer and you know looking back now barring I don't want to say a little bit of good we'll call it good fortune to get in the NCAA tournament really they kind of needed to go eight and one or at least win yeah. this over and so like that's kind of wild to think about whereas like the regular season scored in that sense where they were up against it that much by starting seven and 14 through their first 21 games but it's also just long enough to rectify and that's what kind of makes it such a, a beautifully weird sport and you're right they're on the precipice of all of this not mattering but I think it – I'm trying to think of the best way to describe this. It does matter in the sense that it, it – there were signs of who this team could be even as bad as it was. Yeah. They all came out this weekend. You had Peyton Chatagnier, who had a terrible year for the most part in the regular season, turns it on the last two weeks and provides two of the biggest hits of the year. You kind of saw the seeds planted with Hunter Elliott early on in the season. Definitely Dylan Delusha. Why he never started against Alabama, I still don't understand, but it is what it is at this point. You kind of saw the pitching coming together in early March. Um, you know, it, you, you saw bullpen depth forming, right? We were talking about Josh Mallett in an 18-5 to game against Auburn because he was throwing, you know, 94 and putting breaking balls and change-ups on either side of the plate. Now he's one of their most – he was the first bullpen arm – after Delusia in the regional, in a game that they really, really had to win. And so you saw the seeds of what it could be, and then it finally came together, and I thought the bow that tied everything together, or that really makes it sound like a cherry on top type of situation. Really, the engine that drove this thing is their stars, their star players, the guy you, you thought they could count on, that kind of went in and out at points of this season, absolutely propelled them to a victory. It's Justin Bench um, – Jacob Gonzalez and Tim Elko being the only three guys to have hits against Miami. It's Tim Elko having the biggest hit of Ole Miss's season. It's what he did today to absolutely remove any doubt and put a team depleted of pitching out of their misery. It's the guys that they like knew they could lean on in the end delivered. And the way the offense had performed in particular, it, there was question marks about whether that would happen. And that's why we always kept holding out hope in some degree, right? Where it's like, are they really this bad? Is it really about to end this way? And, you know, for the time being, the answer is no. And so I think you kind of saw the seeds of how this could come together. And then, you know, the engine finally turned on and, and drove the car. And that's really the star player stepping up because that's one that that's what won them these last two games, Miami and Arizona today. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's absolutely insane. Um, 
man, uh, what what a ride with this team, right? From from last Monday, or excuse me, almost two weeks ago, right? Uh, two weeks ago tomorrow, they get beat by Vanderbilt. It's like, oh hell, are they going to get in? And and then they do, and two wins away from the College World Series. And I keep getting text messages, and this annoys me a little bit because I don't even I don't even want to talk about this tonight. This this is not the time for this. People are like, well, is Bianco safe now? First of all, I don't give a crap. I've got um, 20, 30, no, probably 30. And secondly, and, and this is all I want to say on This is it. How many NCAA basketball programs would fire their coach for making the Sweet 16 three years in a row? Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how their boosters are into PowerPoints and stuff, but I'd say few to none. My response, that's my response right now. Like, and, and I don't want to deal with that right now. Um, wait a can you wait a week? What is yeah, that? yeah, and it, it's still and, playing out. Yeah, I guess, but hell, should it? You know what I mean? Like, here's my. So this can never happen again for me, and, and I, I'm calling this crap out if it does next year. Don't ever tell me this team's going to lose a regional again. Like, they don't lose. They they lost in Tennessee Tech and they lost to, uh, in in 16. I get it, and that sucked. This team, from a historical standpoint, pretty like. When you consider, like, hosting or whatever, they're pretty freaking good in regionals. They won 70% of their home regionals. Regionals are not their issue. Um, I guess they hadn't run a road regional to this year, but quite frankly, in this decade, they hadn't played in a whole hell of a lot of many um, over the past 10 years. When you consider 2012, 2013, 2015, and then this year, that was the only road regionals they played in in the past 10 years. Um, that is a good were, point. That's three road regionals in 10 years, and they missed the tournament one time in that stretch. Yeah, like, like this regionals aren't the issue for this program. I get it. 16 and 18 happened. But when you consider, what, like 5, 6, 7, 9, um, 19, 21, 22, uh, they win regionals. It's it's next week that's the issue. So, it's not a – people will talk next year when, you know, maybe they have to play on a Monday night against freaking Florida State or whatever. They'll be like, oh, does, can only, you know, they always choke. In, no, they don't. They don't choke in regionals. Um, I will say, here was what was fun tonight. And, and so, two things. Thank God um, Arizona came back last night because Miami could have made that hell today. Um, secondly, I, I did enjoy that, like, they didn't let Arizona believe that they could win that game. I know it was five to five. One man did. But, well, two men, actually. Um, but One was that – one was that – everyone knows what we're talking about. One was, one was doing it almost unwillingly. Like, can you blame one of them? Yeah, fair enough. That is fair. Um, but, like – Still, even at five to five in the fifth, I'm like, how? Well, here's my first thing. I, I was like, how are they going to win this game? Talking about Arizona, and how in the hell would they win a second game? Because they have ran every arm they've got out there, and they have nothing left. Um, the answer was they couldn't win a second game because they couldn't win a first one. But I did appreciate that Ole Miss just absolutely killed them and left no room for doubt because I didn't need that in my life. Well, I thought – and I could be wrong. And, look, hindsight's twenty twenty, and it's easy to play the results now. But, honestly, when I saw uh, – what's the kid? It's not Nichols. What's, what's the kid's name that pitched today? Um, for yeah, Eric, sir. Oh, oh uh, uh, Chandler. Yeah, Chandler. Chandler Murphy. Yeah, that's right. So, when I saw him in the first inning, look, his numbers weren't good. But, you know, it's postseason baseball. That means that kid will go out and shove, you know, seven I'm scared death. baseball. I saw the first inning – and I was like, if they don't, if they aren't a complete disaster and willingly slurn, turn this into a slugfest, they're going to be fine. I know they only got the two runs, and I know Arizona tied it up in the bottom half of the inning, but just the way that kid was throwing the ball, 
that's the type of pitching Ole Miss destroys. They've just struggled with some of the good pitching this year, but that kid yep. was grooving it over the plate. He didn't really seem to have a ton of command either. He was toast. I was honestly surprised he was left in as long as he was. And I think that actually spoke to the fact where it's like, well, what do they have left? Um, And so I thought they would be fine. Now, where this game was, I thought was going to get weird today. And look, I knew Derek Diamond couldn't pitch forever, even though some people may have thought that. Um, You know, he gives up the – it's Ole Miss answers again, and it's 4-2. to And then he gives up another run as the lineup turns over. It's 4-3. And it's like, okay, surely he's done after this. Ole Miss gets another run, it's 5-3, and it's like, okay. Then a guy gets on, I wait, well, with one or two outs there in the uh, fourth inning, and it's like, okay, now this even makes sense for, like, this is, like, Bianco's time to get him out. Like, And then I was like, oh, my God, he's trying to squeeze another out of him again. Boom, two-run home run. It's 5-5. Five, five. That's the point where that game could have gotten really, really yeah. good. And to Ole Miss's credit, they responded with 13 runs over the next two innings and said, no, sir, so, not today. But, like – I did figure something out about Mike today, and I and I made this decision. I actually kind of went back to look to verify this. Mike goes into these games, these these you have to lose twice. Mike goes into these games kind of sort of knowing that, hey, the other team's depleted of pitching, and if I need to save guys for game seven, that's not the worst thing in the world. Um, I don't think – I guess what I'm saying is he doesn't sell all the way out to win this game. These games, I think he was trying to extend Derek knowing he had the lead. But my worry, right, is that you knew what was going to happen. Everyone knew it. And it bothers me that everyone in the stadium and everyone associated with this program, except for Mike Bianco, knew that the, th- the second time through, this kid's going to get his feelings hurt. And it's not his fault. He doesn't have the third pitch right now to get him through a second time. And it, ju- it just freaking happens every time, and there's not an adjustment made. I will say this, right? I don't think he can start a game three in Hattiesburg. I, I don't. Like, I don't, I don't know – I don't know what you see that gives you confidence when you've got John Gaddis and Jack Washburn, who, again, the innings were meaningless as far as what the score was. They were good today. I don't know how you can't hand the ball to one of them in a game three. I don't – that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, the last stop there, Josh Mallett's. Um, you know, I can't – you can't – you can't get through. You can't get to a game three, I don't think, without using him. That's probably fair. I mean, and then I'm not – if I can win in two and use my outside of the bullpen, I'm going to do that too. But, I mean, with this team – and, look, I'm not forecasting this far down the road yet, but, I mean, if Delucia – we're not far removed from Delucia having a streak where he goes eight three weeks in a row. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, like, that – you know what I mean? So, like, I mean, but I get your point. You're right. I mean, look, Washburn and Gaddis would be the two most likely guys because, you know, there is a third guy there, and you talk about from a mentality standpoint. Chase and I talked about it today uh, – last night. If, you, if this had gotten to a winner-take-all today – you couldn't roll Drew McDaniel out. No. You just can't. I mean, look, no. it's not a talent thing. It is certainly not a talent thing. It's never been a talent thing. Or never will be. Yeah. It is a – I am not – with the way that kid's headspace has kind of been proven to be from a baseball standpoint, of course, you can't put that kid on the mound with their season on the line. You, you just can't. And so I, I'm with you there. I think it would have probably been Gaddis or Washburn. But it's – it's so funny to me because, you know, we probably, I mean, you're probably like me, like whether it's people listening to the podcast or just fellow Ole Miss baseball fan, like, like Ole Miss baseball fans in general, I'll get texts from friends when at certain moments. And I'm not, I think, look, there's certain moments throughout the years, you know, people used to laugh at the Mallets thing last year and I'd get texts whenever he went in again or something like that. Um, the number one seed, and I don't know who fills else, who else fills out a bracket, is the moments in which Derek Diamond is left in too long up until the moment he's given up the inevitable home run or 
three-run double in the gap. The amount of texts and DMs that flood my uh, inbox and phone at that point are probably bigger than any other, like, I don't know what you even call these, Mike Bianco-isms at this point. I thought that might be <laughs> all those little parables he reads to the team out of his book uh, before the games. But point being, that I just – there's so few certainties in sports in general. That might be one of the most certain phenomenons I've ever watched on a team that I've either just watched or covered. It happens every single time. It, it Completely remove yourself from any sort of interest from the situation. Just the, the consistency of it alone is kind of remarkable in a weird way. It happens every time. Yeah, it's, 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 it's just precedent at this point. Um, so you know, I, I I'm hopeful. Is it precedent or gospel? I mean, it, it, yeah. it, 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 it's it's a prophecy. So so I guess what I'll say is this: You remember when this happened at Auburn? It's like, hey, this might be best case scenario. Derek Diamond blew up. They may have to get him out of the rotation, and they won the series. That's awesome. Um, and then they didn't get him out of the rotation. They continued letting pitch, and it didn't go well. Um, surely, surely to God, this is the one that lets him get out of the rotation. Um, and hopefully, if you're an Ole Miss fan, hopefully it's Delusia and Elliott and you're partying in the streets of Hattiesburg on Saturday night. Um, I don't know where they party at in Hattiesburg, but I can promise you I'll find it if Ole Miss goes 2-0. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's it's it can't happen again next week. I just – I don't know how you hand him the baseball. Um, I think there's a role for him. And, and Chase said this on Twitter. It's a good point. There is a role for him. Yeah. Um, but the problem is, right, the role for him – can't be executed by the head coach because the head coach believes that the role for him is to go five or six innings, and that's not the role for him. So I don't know what the role for him is, knowing that the head coach is going to leave him in too long. Does that make sense? Like, it's not on the kid that they're not putting him in the best position to make um, – to have success. It's, it's on the coaching staff, and they're not doing a very good job of that. They're doing a lot of good in, in other areas this weekend, obviously, but continually they just don't put this kid in the best position to win baseball games or, or to put – they don't put him in the best position for him to keep his team in the baseball game, if that makes sense. And, and that's certainly not on the kid at all. And that point was like, okay, is this going to get like a kind of a Ole Miss baseball juju type weird? I didn't think that would be the case, again, just because of what Arizona had or didn't have left from a pitching standpoint. But to their credit, the nine-hole hitter, Garrett Wood, comes in and has one hell of an at-bat and draws a walk. And, like, a, I think it was an eight or a nine pitch at-bat to lead off the top of the fifth. Then you get a bench single. And so Arizona's tied the game. I guess it would that would be mean it's tied for the first time since the first inning. And now you're in business. Like, it, all that happened, you're wondering why the hell Mike did that again with Derek Diamond. But then all of a sudden they're in business again. And then once uh, Elko draws a walk after a Gonzalez flyout, so you got bases loaded one out. This is where I thought – I mean, look, it's weird to say in a 22-6 game. This is where I thought the game really shifted. Kevin Graham hits the infield single, busts his ass on the line, beats it out by a foot or even less than that. I don't – when everyone was like, he's safe on replay, I'm like, yeah, well, have you seen what replay's done in college baseball? Replay is useless. Yeah, that doesn't mean anything. Did you see the Michigan play today? Yeah. What What are we doing? I don't understand. So, look, I I, – I'm not one that gets upset at replay because I get there's like processes and, and red tape at times where you can't just play like any average Joe. Like I look at that, I see it. It's certain to me, but on stuff like that, obvious wise, that's where I would like the transparency of like the referee or the umpire or whatever the sport is press conference to say, what did you see here? Because a million people watching this game saw something completely different. What did you see? Like what, what's, 
but I mean, are they going to have to admit that they were actually talking to the mob? Like, I don't understand on some of those on the on some of those cut and dry ones <sighs> what they see there. Point being, Graham beats it out. They actually get a break on replay, and then Kemp Alderman uh, with probably the most impactful swing of the day. I get Tim Elko did what he did, but. You know, the grand slam the game was over at that up point. 10 to 5. That felt over at that point because Diamond was out of the game. And with what Ole Miss had left in the bullpen, a five run deficit with the arms Ole Miss had remaining in the bullpen was going to be a much tougher climb than, um, than when Diamond was in the game. And to the credit, it was the only run the bullpen surrendered all weekend. It was an unearned run there in the seventh. And so it, that proved to be true. And so once Alderman hit that home run, I thought, okay, they're actually going to be fine. I actually contemplated starting the writing process. I didn't. I went and got food instead. Not that that matters. But that at that point, I was like, okay, they're winning this, I think. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Um, yeah, that's when I thought it was over. Um, and and I, I, I joke around on Twitter some. But when they went up 10 to 5, but it wasn't that – so it was never that, hey, Arizona can't score 10. It was that I don't know how Arizona is going to get Ole Miss out from here on out. And they didn't. Ole Miss scored 12 after that. Um, so, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Kemp hits that ball, you know, off the IPF at Miami. And and the game's over at that point for all intents and purposes because Ole Miss, they had run out of pitching and it was obvious. And, and man, that one felt good because I did not need a, a eight to five or a seven to six game where Brandon Johnson's having to close it out. And if this goes wrong, we got to play a game seven. Um, you know, I give Mike, Mike a lot of crap um, for Derek Diamond. I think a lot of it's valid. But he, he did a lot of good things this weekend, right? Like, I thought he pulled Delusia at the exact right moment. And, and I think he went to the right guy. Um, a lot of people and, – and I'd like to ask your opinion on this. A lot of people were upset that Brandon Johnson pitched the ninth on Friday. And I, and I understand where they're coming from. I don't. I, I, you can't have it I both ways. So, so here, here's my two reasons why I think it was absolutely the right move. One, Brandon Johnson is your closer. Two, Brandon Johnson – excuse me, Josh Mallets was available on Saturday. If Josh Mallett throws 50 pitches instead of, what, 30 or 28 or whatever, closing out that game, is he available on Saturday? I don't think so. Um, and Brandon Johnson bounces back fine. Brandon Johnson, I believe, and, and I don't know if you've heard differently, I believe he was available today um, to close out a game if need be. And so I, I think the thought process was, I'm going to put Brandon Johnson in here so that way Josh Mallett is available on Saturday if I need him. And, and, and I think he was. He was down getting loose in the bullpen at one point on Saturday – excuse me, on Sunday – um, so I, I had zero issue with that move at all. That doesn't mean I wasn't nervous when it was second, third, and one out, but I, I had very little issue with that. I don't I don't know what you want. I mean, look, if 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 Mallets had been cruising and then gives up walk single nuke, people are going to want to behead Mike at the stake for not going to Brandon Johnson. Look, I, I get the sentiment that Josh Mallets was absolutely rolling and he was the kid pitched pretty well. But who's the who's the one pitcher you trust to get three outs on this team, bar none? I more I'd say more than anyone on this team. I should say it's Brandon Johnson, is it? Yes. How would you not want to go down in a game you absolutely cannot afford to lose? You can't play for tomorrow with rare exceptions in the postseason, particularly Correct. when you're in a two seed playing a three seed. Um, you know, outside of like I said, some rare exceptions, you can't do that. You have to play to win the game that night. Now, if Mike had pitched Brandon Johnson in a nine-four game when Mallets was sure. something like that, it's different. But the game is seven to four, and Arizona's still got a damn good offense. And so I, I just I didn't understand that aspect of it 
at all. I, I, I get maybe watching the game and reaction. You're saying, why is he pulling him? He's doing well or whatever. He's cruising. But I would just want to go down with the ship with my best gun firing the bullets. And that's no shot at Mallets, obviously. He's been terrific. But guess who's been in that situation way yep. more than – has Josh Mallets has ever been in that type of situation? He's been somehow leveraging. He's never been in a situation like that. Now you're going to ask him to close out a, a regional game um, with no. the, all intents and purposes their season on the line? I would go to Johnson every time. And guess what? Johnson was available the next day too. So I thought Mike played that perfectly. I had no issue with that. We probably yeah, spent too much time on it, but, you know, whatever. So and, and, and then, you know, I give him a lot of credit for that and, and using Malice in the role that he did. I also give him a lot of credit for going to Mason Nichols, a freshman, um, in that situation. So, so I, I want to outline this. This is the fifth inning, and it's first and third with nobody out, and, and Ole Miss has looked beyond uncompetitive at the plate at this point. Um, I believe – excuse me, I said the fifth inning. It was the sixth inning. Um, and he gets out of that giving up one. That's about as good as you can do. He goes to a freshman in that spot, and the kid freaking balls out, gets out of it, gives him a scoreless seventh, gets back to the top of the order that he's already faced, gets the out and hands the ball to Brandon Johnson. Um, that's the guy that they trust with guys on base, man. And, and, and he's done it. He did it against A&M um, on Friday – excuse me, on Thursday. And then he did it did it on, on Sunday, Sunday night against Miami. And, and, and gave that team a shot to win that baseball game. He wasn't – I guess I'll put it like this. Mike Bianco down one to nothing or with first and third, nobody out, did not manage to not lose the baseball game um, or didn't manage to come out of the loser's bracket, if that makes sense. He managed to, okay, I've got to figure out how to stop this bleeding and give my offense a shot. And his best bullet at that time to do that was Mason Nichols. And credit to him for using him and credit to that kid for coming up and pitching, with, pitching in a huge situation. He has been quietly terrific through yes. pretty much the entirety of the season outside of a couple of kind of head-scratching non-conference outings that were early in the season. He's been amazing. He's allowed two earned runs since game one of the state series. Um, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, he's been unbelievable. And the kid to have the to have the stones in that moment to – I mean, look, he, he provided Ole Miss exactly what they needed because, look, this ended up being the difference, the literal difference in the game. But when he comes in and it's corners and no outs there in the sixth inning – if he doesn't do exactly what he – he did literally everything he could do outside of go strike out, strike out, strike out, and out, allow no runs. He had a quiet fly ball, and then I forgot how he retired the other two and allowed the one run that was probably inevitably going to score unless it was an old Miss team batting at the plate with corners and no outs. <laughs> and kept them at one to nothing because, man, it was the way Miami was pitching with Pumquist on the mound, that was going to be a – completely different game at two or three to nothing and that was he won that game every bit as much as um as Hunter Elliott did and look it's we talk about the superstars on the pitching side of it the reason they're here is because of their pitching um and it's freshmen doing it and you talk about Mike managing well talk about a guy that's not always trusted freshman pitchers you know he was really late to give some freshman opportunities through the years and he I mean, you notice Jack Doherty's pitched like twice since the Arkansas series before today. Like yeah. he, he he trusts Mallets isn't a freshman, but he trusts Nichols. He trusts Mallets. He trusts Elliot. He definitely did not trust Elliot at the beginning of the year um, when they first entered SEC play. All right, I have a theory. Um, do you think it was he didn't trust him or that he knew? And so maybe this is a little conspiracy theory, maybe a little bit educated. I think he knew Elliot could do this, and he was trying to get that out of him. If that makes sense earlier in the year. 
I, I suppose that part that I mean I, I don't disagree with because he was hard on him. Some of the quick, yeah, he was. He would like go out of his way to like not compliment him. Yeah, he was really really hard on Elliot. There's probably some strategy there. I just think back to a couple of the quick hooks and be like, wow, this guy really doesn't trust this guy. That's all moot at this point. But to you know, him going to the freshmen and trusting them in the biggest moments of the season. I mean, Josh Mallett's was the biggest arm out of the bull, like the first arm out of the bullpen in a must run regional game on on game one on Saturday night, and then he goes to Elliot and Mason Nichols on Sunday, and then the last thing to kind of give Mike credit for is what he did with the lineup today. I guess it all yes. ended up being washed out by scoring 22 runs, but Chase brought up the notion last night when we recorded of, do you think he tweaks the lineup? I don't think he does. does I don't think he does. I think right. he's basically our consensus, but like he probably should. And he ends up going with the Garrett Wood and going with Calvin so, Harris to try to find – my take on it was that he was trying to find something to do with the Leatherwood spot he was really struggling and to – I say bench bench slash rest McCants. McCants yeah. clearly he has something going on. What is it? The wrist? Is that what it is? Yeah, he's got he's got a wrist issue. I don't I, I think the McCants was more of a, a rest. I think if McCants is healthy, he will be the center field and had to start on Friday or Saturday. Um, but but obviously the Harris over Leatherwood move was just straight simply strategic. I think it was too, but you know, he did that. You know, probably look if that's a winner take all game, does he do that? I don't know the answer, but you know, to, to be able to tweet, I mean, Garrett Wood made his first career start in yeah. the regional final. It was good. Yeah, and he was really good. He gave Ole Miss a lot. I mean, he had three really quality at bats and, and gave Ole Miss a spark. And you know, before that game, you know, kind of devolved into a farce, he had a really important bat. Ole Miss had just given up the lead, and he has that eight nine pitch at bat to kind of get them started on the right foot in the top of the fifth inning. That game was far from over by that point, but Ole Miss had faced you know, their first bit of adversity there, and he gets them off going on the right foot, and they really slam the door after that. So, you know, for all of Mike Bianco's faults, you got to give him credit for some stuff, and he was he was really, really good um, in that sense and, you know, willing to adapt. We talk about his willingness to adapt with things, and he's shown it in some senses as frustrating as the diamond piece of this might be. Um, just kind of last couple of thoughts on, like, the regional as a whole. I, <laughs> I certainly didn't have Ole Miss going – three and oh in this and winning the final game 22 to six but man like that team I mean I guess to kind of put the bow on it that team looked like the team we like we all thought they could be and you know they didn't make it easy on themselves but it, Saturday night against Arizona was hard what the, were they were they were they winless when trailing after the sixth inning this year do you know uh I don't know that um I don't but but I can't remember one off the top of my head I'm gonna go through that real quick I bet I can find that um, somewhere, um, but anyway, they were. I mean, they come back and they win sixteen Saturday. I mean, Sunday against Miami was really, really hard. They did a lot of hard things this weekend and just yes. toughness. And look, the sixth inning against Miami on Saturday was so bad. But I don't want to sound like I'm dismissing this. Occasionally, something like that happens to every offense, but it's happened yeah. so much to this team. They didn't earn the benefit of the doubt, but to their credit, kind of for the first time all year. And look, they did a little bit against South Carolina, I guess, in that series, but they didn't come back to win the game. They generated something out of nothing. If you want to talk about what's different with this yeah. offense over the last three weeks or so, it's not like the, it's not even just the sheer resolve of like go coming back and tying it in the ninth against, um, against South Carolina or doing the same thing against state, even though they didn't get over the hump. It's 
the first – how many instances over the last three weeks they had the first two guys get out, and then all of a sudden they get three straight hits and they've scored two runs? Like, whoa, how did that happen? That kind of quick hit where the opposing pitcher turns around and was like, damn, I thought I had these dudes. That hasn't happened much this year, and it happened in the most important moment of their season culminating with the Elko double. Yeah, it kind of just feels uh, – I don't know. kind of feels a little dusty. I, 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 I did not know how they were going to win that baseball game when there were two outs in the bottom of the seventh on, on Sunday night. I, I, I had no idea. Um, because there was no sign that, hey, this, this they're going to be okay. Um, there was not the – so, like, against Arizona, right, you could see the competitive at-bats against Irvin um, just hit into some bad luck, and, and you're like, crap, they're going to run out of time before, you know, the ball starts falling. Thankfully, they didn't. Um, but against Miami, like, you didn't even have that. I mean, you had Tim Elko hit a first-inning double, um, and I can't even remember another hit in between that and, and benches hit down the left-field line. Um and, and they just put an inning together real quick. It's boom, boom, boom. I mean, it's three hits in a row, and the thing's over. Um, and, and, man, credit to them. It was, it was impressive. It was as impressive as a regional round that I had seen Ole Miss have, but, I mean, obviously at home or on the road um, in a long time because they pl- – so in 19, I get it. Like, hey, they, 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 they dominated, and I understand that. Um, and in 14, they, do- or, or they won it. Um, didn't dominate, but but this team had to play really really well um, to win this regional. If that makes sense, last year they had to play really really well to win this. Year. They could have played poor, kind of you know average in nineteen and won that regional. This is the best. I'll say it like this: This is the best that an Ole Miss team has played, considering what their ceiling is um, in a regional, maybe in the Bianco era. Yeah, I'll go that far. I mean, it, what they, I mean, then they also played the best, as Chase pointed out last night, they played, played the best baseball of anyone in the regional. Um, yes. Well, they were the best team in the regional. I think they probably were, too. So, I, honestly, My, Okay, so I want to premise this. Miami was not good. No, they were not. And I would say the only thing I undersold about them was the uh, their ace was better than I thought. He was yeah, really he was. Impressive. The rest of them stunk. I mean, I say the rest of them stunk. They were just a very average. I mean, that's a – They didn't pitch it very well, and they, they sure didn't swing it very well. They couldn't score on Arizona's JV pitching last night. I don't want to get into conference wars right now, but I have a spicy question for you. No, go ahead. Miami, 30-game SEC season. Do they make Hoover? <laughs> it's a 14-16 and 16 team. 13 and 17 team. That's not a good baseball team. So probably. Yeah. I mean, I think they're a lot, lot like Ole Miss, but they weren't near as talented as Ole Miss. I mean, that, that's real. Like, so in that lineup of Miami, and I, I haven't watched a ton of Miami outside this week and I haven't watched any, outside of Yo Yo Morales, like, who are you taking in that lineup and putting in Ole Misses? I can't think of anyone else. I mean, I'd, I'd take a Yo Yo Morales. No, let me be very clear. I'd put that kid in my lineup. But other than that, um, I don't know. Like they didn't look overly talented to me. I'm with you there. I was uh, I was surprised by that. And then Arizona, I thought is exactly what they were. They were a pretty good offense, and they had no pitching depth. I mean, I was kind no, of done that Murphy was there. Uh, is that who they went with? And look, and I get it. They had they were exhausted, and they had to play basically three games in a 24 hour span. But just that being your fourth guy that you have to run out, I was pretty uh, I was pretty shocked by that. I would say. Um, we're not yeah. shocked by that. I was pretty surprised it dropped off that badly. Uh, that's why. That's why I was rooting so hard for Arizona last night because I knew they had nothing left. Miami had some guys that were capable. Um, Arizona did not. That was the best they had, and then those guys had no shot. So they roll through it, and now Ole Miss gets Southern Miss 
in a uh, three-game Super Regional, the program's third consecutive <laughs> Super Regional. Um, all three have come on the road, and you know hey, that's I, impressive, right? Like, yes. like I, I, I get it. Um, there's not a lot of teams that have made three consecutive Super Regional. That 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 is an impressive feat by this program. Uh, yeah, no, I mean that's hard. That's a that's a people don't want to hear this phrase, but that is a model of consistency. Um, I was sorry. I've spent the last 20 minutes. Ole Miss was 0 and 12 when trailing after six innings entering this regional. They won two games trailing after six innings. Yeah, that's a uh, wow. That uh, that's impressive because uh, excuse me, 0 and 6. Was, they were 0 and 12 in conference. They were 0 and 6. They uh, they did not make a habit of of coming back when they got down. So to do that twice in a regional, very very impressive. But anyway, back to your point. Yes, that is an impressive feat. Um, you know what? I mean, look. What is he now? One and six in supers? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, three. Yeah. One and no, one and yeah. One and six. Yeah. That's correct. That's almost a t- statistical anomaly. It is. It absolutely is. I mean, that is absolutely. that is so hard to do. And so I don't know. You know, we talk about what it means and all of that. I, I, I think it kind of falls into the same category of like, let's just let this play out. Like if, if he ends up one in seven in supers and one in whatever in games yeah. to get Omaha. Yes. I, I don't think that's nothing. And I don't think you can completely discount that by any stretch, but the fact that Ole Miss is back there knocking on the door over and over again. I mean, look over the last debt. I mean, look, since 2014 on, they've mm-hmm. missed the tournament once. Went to UCLA once. They have hosted one, two, three, five, four, four regionals. Uh, no, 14, 16, 18, 19, 21, five. Yeah, sorry, I wasn't counting 14, but I should. That, that would the whole point of the argument. Hosted and then, you know, played five road, I mean, three road supers and the two home regional losses, I guess, are in there. Obviously, that's, yeah. I mean, that's, I, people are going to hate this part. Like what this job is on the surface, that's almost not all, not everything, but that is pretty close to all you can ask for. And no one's ever doubted what Mike Bianco is as a program builder. It's kind of the minutia of this, of what happens when they get there into this moment. And so you know, ultimately we could talk about it after this weekend, but I don't know. I mean, two and six, if he ends up what two and six in the second trip, then all of this is rendered moot. And if he, so, yeah, I mean, one and seven or one and six, whatever, I'm already losing track of my math. You get my point. Sure. Can you just kind of address again? I'm just so in terms of the big picture, I'm just in so much wait and see mode because honestly, I thought we'd be having this conversation tonight in terms of it mattering. And they just ran through a road regional and are playing as good a baseball as really anyone in the country heading into a super. So it's, it's wait and see on my end. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Um, I just I have a hard time believing that a man that has gotten to the Sweet 16. Um, equivalent in basketball three times in a row doesn't deserve to keep his job i'll, I'll go there um and and, and that that's look at that sentence that i just said would have changed had Ole Miss lost two games and i get like does does one day define a program in the, at this point in this era yeah it does um so i it would be very difficult and i don't know like i've never I've, I've, we've talked all year about this i have no idea what keith carter is going to do or not do um i just know that if it's me it would be very very hard for the guy that just got to the Super Regionals for the third time in a row to not be my coach next year. Um, I'm not saying any decision on that is wrong. I, I'm not smart enough to, to have an opinion on that. Um, but it would just personally for me be, be very difficult for me to make that decision. What do you think? Just early thoughts. We'll obviously preview this later in the week. What um, do you think of the matchup with Southern Miss? If I'm honest, I don't think it's a great matchup on Friday for Ole Miss. Um, assuming so, 
so here's what I really hope. I hope um, I hope they play on Friday because um, Tanner Hall started today for Southern Miss, I believe, through into the third inning. Um, didn't have a good outing. Tanner Hall is the kid. He's the, he won the Ferris last year. He is the kid that shut down Ole Miss on Sunday night in the regional, and he has a really good two-seamer. And if there's a weakness among um, – the offense over the past few years, it's a guy that can run the two-seamer in on right-handers' hands and, a, and away from lefties. He's good. He's really good. And and if he's really good, almost has an issue. Um, Dylan DeLucia will have to pitch well. The rest of the guys are going to be high-velo guys, and, and you're just going to have to play well and, and fight that off. Um, Southern's both around pitching. They're, they're not as scary offensively this year. They're still good. Don't, don't let me be very clear. They're still good offensively. Um, I don't know who I'm going to pick. I don't. I have a. I have a leaning. I'm going to look look more into it. Um, I will say this: playing a CUSA team in the Super Regional is not a bad thing. But I want to be very clear: this is not. People are going to do the they're the CUSA team, and then you know we got ULL eight years ago, and they ran out of pitching. This team's not running out of pitching in a three game series. Um, they're deep. They're very very deep. You're not going to get BS arms to 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 face to get out of this. So. Um, you're going to have to go earn it, I guess is what I'm saying. Southern Miss is a very, very good team, and they deserve everything that they've gotten. Um, and Ole Miss will have to earn it to, to, to go to the College World Series. Look, and it's tough to, not, like, tough to find a draw in the, you know, in the Super Regional round of 16 when there's 16 teams left. There's, it's tough to find a draw where you don't have a team that's got pretty good pitching. Arizona, <laughs> particularly as a national seed last year, was a little bit of an anomaly in that sense to kind of have average starting pitching. But, my God, did you see the offense on the other side last year? <laughs> Um, so like yeah, that, but that, I mean, unless you kind of get lucky with some upsets and that's kind of would have been the case with Ole Miss right the only problem is, is the upset in this one would have had you going and playing in Alex Box Stadium I would have liked Ole Miss's chances just from a sheer matchup offense to pitching standpoint much better against LSU would you would you say that's fair particularly from the yeah. three they probably uh, Ole Miss probably scores more but man watching uh watching maybe some bullpen arms and a game three starter get try to get those guys out would have been would have been miserable it would have, but I mean, the but when's the last time the bullpen gave up an earned run? Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, and if you don't, if you, and that's that would be my argument to the LSU point of it. If you if you don't think Dave, Derek Diamond starts a game three, you know, the bullpen's been a strength. And this, this, I, I mean, you can look at this from like how would the Ole Miss offense fare against Southern Miss's pitching? Can Ole Miss's pitching staff collectively be better than Southern Miss? Can they be better at their own game than them? Can they win a game? on Friday or whenever Tanner Hall pitches like they did against Palmquist in Miami on Sunday? Like, can, can they be better than their own, at them in their own game if the offense isn't good? And the offense is just a kind of average, then they're probably in decent shape. That was a terrible forecast of this regional, but you kind of get my point. Like, Ole Miss's strength is undoubtedly it's pitching now. It's just like we didn't view that throughout the course of the year as the strength. And, like, it's almost like it's still too real to believe in a sense. And it's like, who has the better pitching staff, Southern Miss or Ole Miss? I'll pose it to you in a question. Uh, I think I'd go Southern. I think I'd go Southern. But I think it's close, um, just but mainly because Southern's done it uh, for the entirety of the year. Um, but I don't know, man. Uh, it's going to be a really, really good Super Regional. I don't think either team's going 2-0. I think this gets set, decided on a Sunday or a Monday night um, in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and, and what a time that will be. Um, be good and miserable for everybody involved. All right, let's. Uh, we got more time. We'll preview this later in the week. I uh, I uh, submitted. I opened up some questions to the listeners. We'll run through these real quick. Some of them I don't think are the greatest questions in the world, despite us having uh, 
sharpest listeners of all time and uh, them being the tip of the spear of this pod. Some of them were a little bit facetious, so we'll roll through these rapid fire. You ready? Sure. Let's see. Weldon Rodenberg, football Colin, check it in. Or are you uh, <laughs> baseball Weldon? We can fight that out another day. Sure. Is the three straight super regionals and ending the COVID year is number one in the country and on a 17-game winning streak, good. Uh, yes, that is that is good by my math. Um, I could be wrong, but last time I checked, it is good. Weldon's been big on the Bianco train. He he, he kind of gave me a look. Of, we did a pod a couple weeks ago, and he's like, can I stoke some baseball coals real quick? And I was like, take the floor, my friend. And he was just – he kind of stumped for Bianco for a bit. And I think that was after the Texas A&M series loss maybe. So uh, that got people good and fired up, which is always good. Um, let's see. William Brand checking in. Are you going to get the behind the team like my boy Brister? I, I don't understand. I've, have I been anti-Ole Miss at any point this year? I, I don't think – well, I'd say anti-Ole Miss. I'm, on this postseason run, I, 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 I mean, I felt like I was pretty honest. I gave them a chance, but I didn't think they had, like I said, that kind of game in them, particularly the Sunday one. But, I, mean, I, I didn't say that I thought they were winning this regional. Um, so I, I, I wasn't exactly overly optimistic regarding this team for sure. What's the weather looking like in Hattiesburg? Uh, Haven't well looked. <laughs> well played. That's a, I believe that's in response to the weather rant because I got several messages and texts asking what the weather was for Coral Gables and if they were going to I guess I get what I asked for there. Here's a, actually, here's a good question. Not that the other ones weren't. Brody Clayton checking in here. Why does it feel like Ole Miss has a more clear path to Omaha by barely getting in the field than when they host and, when they host and race? Um, so I'll, I'll preface it with this. Yeah, I wouldn't go that. that far. I wouldn't go that far in terms of saying, oh, they have an easier path um, playing in Coral Gables and going to Southern Miss than they do hosting some years. I think this is why the national seed is the hot top eight national seed is incredibly important to guarantee um, you know postseason baseball at home throughout you know the entirety until you get to Omaha if you make it that far. Um, you know we talk about the regular season mattering, not mattering. What does that all of that actually mean? I think the regular season matters in the sense, and that's what we talked about in the preseason was can this team blow through what we think is going to be a somewhat down SEC from a, from a pitching standpoint and win 20 games and win 19 games and be a absolute lock national seed and be playing baseball at Swayze Field throughout. They didn't do that, but that's a huge nope. advantage. Now, when you get in the middle ground and you're a host that's not a national seed, I feel like that's when you kind of start getting screwed because there's no rhyme or reason to how they kind of do it after that, if that makes sense, in terms of the back-end hosts and the two and the three seeds. Yeah, no, that's perfect way to put it. I mean, Ole Miss has kind of gotten unlucky that, you know, Arkansas and Arizona just kind of blitzkrieg their regional and um, you didn't get you didn't get the host uh, that, that lost the regional and got to host the Super like some teams do, like Southern Miss. Um, you know, but it's uh damn it, Oklahoma State's wearing me out. Um, but it it's uh I kind of just think Ole Miss has gotten unlucky the past two postseasons, uh, just with matchups and that type thing. I get what he's saying for sure. It's definitely a good point. It, it feels a feels a lot more easy uh, than, than than maybe going to Tucson or going to Fayetteville did. And I and, and I don't I want to be very very clear. Um, Southern Miss is an excellent baseball team. Yes, they are an excellent baseball team. It is going to take a fight down there to come out of there with two wins. So um, any Ole Miss fan that just thinks you're going to walk in there and win because it's a CUSA team, I that, that, that just came through the losers bracket and beat a good LSU team twice. Um, so I don't know. I, I it's gonna be a it's gonna be a dogfight this weekend. That that I can tell you. 
Um, yeah, no, absolutely. In that sense, I, I just don't understand. And this is a topic for another day, probably, but it's a good question. Like the process, why is Ole Miss going to Coral Gables, but Vanderbilt had to go to Corvallis? That's yeah. the kind of stuff I don't really get. Like they well, just, I mean, Ole Miss was a three and, and Vanderbilt is a two. You yeah, that's, the that's two true. That, I, I skipped the obvious. Well, thing. no, but here, here's your question. Here's the question. Why does Vanderbilt not go to Louisville that is drivable and, and then but you send Oregon to um, Louisville who had to fly and you see send Vanderbilt to Oregon State who had to fly? Like can't we figure out I know I know you can't send Oregon to Oregon State, um, but can we not figure out something to send Oregon somewhere else and just let Vanderbilt drive to Louisville? That feels like that makes sense. But um, it didn't feel like they cared too much about geography this year, which I'm kinda of fine with. Hey, but like, you talked about Ole Miss getting unlucky the last couple of years. It felt like they finally caught a break. Not necessarily in the Southern Miss sense, but going – No, they caught a break because they could win this regional. Yes, they could. And that's uh, that's kind of – again, a lot of it's about matchups. If Ole Miss had gone to – Texas State and Stanford are playing right now, I think. I don't know yeah. who it is. Stanford maybe not as good as I thought they were. No, they're not. I mean, I mean how many Pac-12 teams that are kind of all hit, built up on pitching have totally collapsed in the last half decade? UCLA's done yeah. it twice. Um, look, Oregon State's had some really good teams. That theory is not completely bulletproof. But, like, matchups matter. If Ole Miss had gotten sent to Palo Alto, uh, it's probably a different story right now because sure. they're able to hit elite pitching. And so, like, that, that part of it matters as well. And so, look, Ole Miss finally got a, caught up a good break. Can they win two more games to kind of capitalize on that good break? Um, yeah, that's a question. We got a ton of these. So I'm going to roll through these rapid fire. Tyler Hayes, not a question, but should Bianco roll out Wes Burton for the night? I think that is a question. Oh, I, I would have. So he, I, he, I, in here, he said question for the pod. I was about to say, I don't know. We both went to uh, MIS schools. I, that was a question in my book. Anyway, go ahead. Um, I, I would have liked to see Max, Max Trophy close it out. That would have been cool. I don't know if he's on the travel roster, but I was kind of hoping he was going to get the ninth inning. I think he's there. I think I've seen him in the dugout. Um, um, okay. I didn't, I didn't know. Maybe you're may, – I could be wrong about that. It could be a complete – I could have maybe caught a glance of, like, the back of yeah, the roster's no head and been like, oh, Max Trophy. Um, th- th- that's a guess. I haven't been paid that close. But Jack Washburn needed to pitch. He hadn't pitched in um, two weeks. So, I, I completely understand getting him an inning for sure. Um, I, w- I wanted to see Ben Van Cleef hit a nuke. The ball was jumping out of there. Oh, my gosh. Uh, th- This all will be for not – Ole Miss could win a national championship, but if that man is still over I – mean, hitting the under in the uh, .5 home run over under total we set for him. All of this was pointless. <laughs> thought he almost had one. Here we go. God, this kind of hits at what we hit it earlier. Cole Crenshaw, game three, winner goes to Omaha. It's the third inning, and Diamond is still pitching. What do the message boards look like? Oh, I don't know, but I, I tell you what. Can I tell you what? You got your computer? Yeah. I need you to Google what county is Hattiesburg in in Mississippi. Could you Google that for me? Sure. I think people can hear me typing. This is terrific podcast. Welcome that's to fine. Geography Corner. Forest, Forest County. Forest County. Okay, that's what I thought. I don't know what the message boards would be saying, but I, I will know what the Forest County Detention Center looks like. <laughs> yeah, that's not what you want. That would uh, talk about uh, just stomach and nods. That would be a lot of people oh. busting out the hard stuff and probably some top shelf stuff. Can, look, can Ole Miss just – here's the thing. I think this is going to go three – but can Ole Miss do the thing where they win game one just so I can pretend in game two that they could win it and go to Omaha? Like, if we're going to split them, let's win the first one this time, if that makes sense. I, I, I kind of miss those days. They haven't done that since 09. That is correct. I, I just – let's win the first one. That's let's a long that. time. Uh, yeah, I had one, one 13 years, yeah. Since there's nothing else to talk about this summer, can you do a full hour on the Dart-Altmeyer race? Absolutely. We got that coming up Wednesday. Uh, um, yeah. 
<laughs> if I can produce a reliable drinking buddy to back up the fact that I projected the Rebels would back into the tournament and make a run, could we jump on the podcast? Uh, we'll talk about the last part, but, you know, you kind of saw the scenes of this the last couple weeks of the season. I just didn't know how real it was. And then they had a bad offensive performance in the finale against A&M and a bad offensive performance against Vanderbilt. And I was like, okay, how real is this? I will say the pitching is so good right now. I left off this stat and I'd be remiss if I didn't, uh, didn't uh, include this. The Ole Miss off I mean, the Ole Miss bullpen in the Coral Gables regional 12.1 uh, innings covered 12 and a third. Zero earned runs, seven hits, 23 strikeouts, three walks. That is remarkable. Yeah, you had their ERA and whip, too. Well, I can tell you what the ERA is. That'd be a zero. What's their whip? Zero. Yeah. Uh, the whip was .81 from what I figured. So, that, man, that, they That seems special. like a good play. Now, I actually had a point in that if you want to get a serious like point across about this is even through the bad offensive performances, what's become the strength of the team is the clearly the pitching staff and the bullpen. The bullpen's been so good – what we saw in the regional for the first time is that it picked them up out of a putrid offensive performance. The bullpen was literally flawless to give them enough time against Miami to kind of figure out how to do enough. And so yeah, kind of what do you got to do in the postseason sometimes? That's correct. Uh, that's um, simple as you can put it. We got an all-time spin zone coming up here. If okay. the Rebels make it to Omaha, what schools will be looking to poach Mike Bianco? Oh, I love that. I do too. I kind of love that. So, do you remember when Quanzo Martin uh, got, like, everybody wanted him fired at Tennessee, and he got to the Sweet 16. He was like, screw you guys. I'm going home. And he went to California. Like, yes, what if Mike does that and, like, goes to Clemson? That would uh, that, <laughs> that would honestly be a power move. I would respect it. Um, <laughs> Ole Miss is in the Supers just as we all predicted, right, says Bruce. That's right. Yep, yeah. Right. And, and we all thought they would play it in Mississippi. Exactly. Home regional. Um, <laughs> Magnolia State. Will Ole Miss retain Bianco if he goes one and two or zero oh and two this weekend? Topic for another day. Can we press? Yeah, we're not doing that. First? We'll do that day. Here we go. This is just teeing us up. What is the favorite fun fact you learned about John Jay? Um, John Jay. Uh, I, I we learned that John Jay is back in school at Miami. Did you, Did you know that? Made two A's and a B this year. So happy for John Jay and his education that he's continuing that. Uh, that was the worst announcing crew that I have ever listened to. I watched pretty much every game, and it was a horrendous. It it really was. Um, and look, so you know, John Jay played a major league game in twenty twenty one. Yeah, it's yeah, it wasn't long ago. He's recently retired, and so I'll explain it like this. I think I've said this before on the podcast. The TV thing is a much harder job than people want to give it credit for. The people sure. that think they could do it, ninety nine point nine percent of you are wrong, and you're just way too overconfident yourself. It's a very hard gig. Roy Philpot is actually a real ESPN announcer. He's one of those He wasn't guys. awful. He wasn't. And he's like a lower – I don't want to say – lower level makes it sound demeaning, but one of their lower tier regional guys that's actually a real SEC network ESPN guy. You've seen him do sure. some football games, baseball games of the year. John Jay's just some local color guy they threw on there, kind of like you see with some of the midweek games at Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss is actually very fortunate between Cross and Kohlemeyer and uh, some of those – and Keith Kessinger on there as well. They actually have a very good local broadcast. Mm -hmm no matter who it is. That's not the case everywhere, as, as you saw on full display this weekend. I'll put it to you this way. They probably did that because they, they thought, hmm, John Jay, he wants to do this. He played in the major leagues for a decade. He's a World Series champion. Who else do we have? Sure. He seems like a very nice man. He is he very mad at that. He needs, to, he needs to go study in the library and take off the headset. Very nice guy. But, I mean, we were reaching – like it was like Booger McFarland without a – like, 
like the most redundant things over and over and over again. And he sounded nervous as hell. And I, I don't yeah, know I'm sure God. I'm sure he was. And he just wanted to try it out. It's honestly a disservice to whomever it was like, let's sure. put him during a regional. <laughs> let's let him, let's and, let him. And, and here's the thing, too. You put him in a regional that his alma mater's playing in. That's all. That's really kind of. I couldn't go do an Ole Miss regional. I can tell you that. I did think it was absolutely hilarious that during the Ole Miss Miami game, they just kept peppering him with questions. What a, What do you remember about that 06 Super? I was like, well, I got a guy in the other dugout who remembers a lot about it. <laughs> that was oh, nice. You say that. You say that. They asked him about uh, uh, Coral Gables this week and what he remembered about that. And he was like, that was 14 years ago. I don't remember much. That is good. Good for Mike. I, I'm glad he got to shrug that one off uh, and just enjoy his night. Please don't. I, I bet in the back of his mind was, please don't ask me that dumb shit again. We just want to have trying to win one, whatever it was they asked him. Um, but yeah, John Jay seems like a nice guy. Not the, My favorite was um, when he, at some, I think it was the second inning of this game, he said, you know, he was trying to do the super regional storyline from last year between Ole Miss and Arizona. But the way it came out, he said, you got to think when the brackets came out, Ole Miss saw Arizona in their regional. And then Arizona saw that Ole Miss was in it too. <laughs> that that was drop in. And then he was kind of like, oh, and you know, like they played each other last year or whatever. It's like, dude, like dynamite delivery there, pal. He just had this awkward pause. It was like, I would hope they saw that. I hope they didn't fly into here blind. Um, it was. <laughs> oh, this fight just shows up to my. was like, who we got, boy? Yeah, who, who's. Is that red, white, and blue? Is that. Is that Cincinnati? Is that black? Bearcats? Wildcats? Anyway. Um, last fact. I actually do have a fun fact about John Jay. Do you know who his father is? I don't. His father was one of the biggest, uh, one of the notor- most notorious domestic cocaine traffickers during the Pablo Escobar days. And actually Are you serious? Decades in prison. Yeah, so ESPN, I've, I've said this on the pod before, probably some of the solo ones. I've gotten like way deep into like the 80s cocaine cowboys tricks. Uh, like, so you watch Narcos? With that... I mean, dude, I've read, I've named the Pablo Escobar book, um, that every documentary. I don't really understand it. I just found it as a fascinating time in history. Watch Cocaine Cowboys, all of it. So there was a ESPN documentary recently called Willie and Sal, and it was these two brothers who were speedboat racers, but ended up being like major, major kingpins in the drug trade. He was basically Willie and Sal's, and this came out like this past year. He was name was Justo J, and he was Willie and Sal's enforcer, and he did 19 years in prison, but he was like way up, way up in the Miami uh, Medellin cartel drug trade. So how about oh, 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 that's John Jay's dad? Yeah, Justo Jay. Okay, so you hold, ever- hold on. Um, John Jay did a really, really good job this week, and I misspoke. I think those days are behind him. I think we're safe. If they send some people after me, um, then I, I've lived a good life. So, I hope those days are behind him. Like, oh, oh, boy. But hey, credit to John Jake. Not that I mean, look, God turns into himself into a major league or stand-up guy, just not a great announcer. But that's your that's that was John Jay Corner. That was your fun fact about John Jay. Um, let's see. Last couple before we get out of here. How much of tonight's offensive explosion is the Rebels just finally putting it together? And how much uh, of Arizona's pitching being depleted? Is it both or just a perfect storm? I I'm going to have to just credit it to Arizona's pitch pitching de- being depleted till I see otherwise. Um I, I haven't seen just the the offensive explosion against good pitching that makes me say, "Hey, Ole Miss has figured it out." I they scored twenty two against a depleted bullpen. We'll 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 see if they go to Hattiesburg and hit the hell out of the baseball. Then they'll let's figure it out. They got a real shot, in Omaha. If not, well, you know, is what it is. I, um, oh, good. Yeah, I don't have. No, a lot I just of that. that's, that's kind of where I'm at. 
Yeah, no, I don't have a lot to add because you I mean you surmised exactly how I feel. It was probably a little bit of both. The one thing I probably should have made this point sooner, but it, of all the stuff I had written down, it just slipped my mind. I will give them miscredit in this, and Chase and I talked about this previewing the game last night. That game gets weird if Ole Miss allows some kid like a Chandler Murphy to go four or five innings and they've only scored one run and they've left a small village on the base path and it's like, what are they doing against this guy? To Ole Miss's credit, today was about the, uh, the using the advantage they had, which was one arrested bullpen and the fact that the other team was completely exhausted and completely depleted of pitching. And yes, Ole Miss is good at hitting bad pitching, but you have to give them some credit for actually doing that today and taking the advantage because the way that game gets weird is you allow that starter to go four innings and then you find something before you get to whomever your closer is. I don't know what the guy's availability was. And all of a sudden you lose like a 7-6 game that you probably scored, should have, could have, would have scored 15 runs in. Credit to Ole Miss for actually getting after that guy and not stepping their foot off the gas after that. Like they used yeah, no. the advantage they had, and they have not done that at times this year. No, they absolutely did, and that's a credit for them. They, just, they blew them out of the water. And, uh, man, it was it was fun to see because you didn't have to worry in the sixth or seventh inning about who was going to win the baseball game, if Brandon Johnson was available, none of that mattered. Um, so you're going to have a bunch of rest. You're going to have pretty rested pitching staff heading to Hattiesburg um, on, on Friday or Saturday. Um, schedules, well, people are asking me about schedules. It has always come out on Tuesday morning, um, usually pretty early. So we should know something probably by the time this drops, I would guess. Yeah, I would guess. I'm going to try to get it out tonight, but by the time that most people are listening to this, you are absolutely correct about that one. Um, you leave Wooden for the uh, – Tyler Crosswhite checking in here. Do you leave Wooden for the Supers, right? Dude was an absolute spark with good at-bats. With McCants struggling, I roll out the lineup. I think we agree. So, talked about this earlier. If McCants is healthy, I think you probably still roll with McCants just because of the potential. And I think injuries have played more of a role in his season than you think, along with some of the other stuff he's had to deal with from a personal standpoint. Um, that said, can you find a role for Garrett Wood in the outfield? <laughs> um, I don't know about that, but, uh, you know, well, here, here's, a, here's a serious question. Well, Calvin Harris hit today. I was going to say you could play bench and center McCants and right and play Wood at third base. Um, but, but, you know, Calvin Harris probably hit too well to not play um, at Southern Miss. Um, I don't know. I, I will say this. Southern is going to start three righties against Ole Miss, um, which is good for TJ. A lot of his um, – you know, he, he struggled pretty much all year, but um, most of his struggles um, are, are an inordinate amount has come against left-handed pitching. And while Southern definitely has left-handers in their bullpen, um, Justin Storm being one that was really, really good, Chandler Best, I believe, another. Um, they're going to start three righties. And, and, and I, I think McCants is worth the try just because of the potential there for sure. Yeah, I'm with you there as well. As far as Leatherwood, I would say try anything else at this point. Yeah, I mean, I'm not – look, Calvin Harris is fine out there. Look, and, and that's the thing with Leatherwood is – and I feel, feel a little bad for him. He's not hitting. and He was kind of bad this weekend defensively too. Um, and, and he'd been pretty, pretty good. Um, a lot better than he was last year. They had, you know, at last year they had, they would have to sub him out with Plumlee and whatnot. But he had been pretty good defensively, um, but but had a tough weekend this weekend. So hopefully for his sake, if, if when he's in the game at Hattiesburg, that doesn't happen. Yeah, the outfield is 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 tough. But I mean, that's you knew the best version of this team wasn't going to play good outfield defense, but it it can be better than what you saw in this play in right field this weekend. I I kind of agree with that point as well. 
Let's see. Reynolds Spencer checking in here. Was there a better single possible draw for Ole Miss than what they got as a two or a three? Can we start a GoFundMe gift for John Cohen? We kind of covered it. I don't, is there a better one? They, they got a really um, good draw here. Yeah, I guess if you, uh, if you had been sent to Stanford and you won it, you got UConn. I guess maybe that. But other than that, no, not really. Yeah, but you would have had to beat Stanford. You know what I mean? Like the – Fair that enough, might have ended yeah. up being irrelevant. I don't know. Could they have gotten through Statesboro? Probably. Depends on who else. Yes, but but here's the problem with Statesboro. Are you going to Knoxville and win it? Oh, that's right. I that that just I was playing checkers while I you mean, were playing yeah. Chester. I was literally looking at who this is paired with, and I was like, oh, never mind. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna do something. Hey, I'm gonna do something next weekend for the uh, first time in my life. You wanna know what it is? Well, what? second time in my life, actually. I did it last year, but I, I don't make this a regular thing. But I'm gonna do it for the fir- the second time in my life. Uh, but 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 two times within the past year. You know what it is? Hate rooting cheer for and- Notre Dame. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Second, second, cheer for them last year and cheer for them this year. Ah, kid. So, I saw Tennessee this weekend. You know, they, they kind of played with their food a little bit. A little bit. Campbell yeah. was up late. Georgia Tech kind of had that game, but that offense just kind of always seems to explode late. What's – I don't want to be anti-fun guy. That's, it's over the top. I mean – that guy There's hit a line. and was flipping off the the outfield. I mean, look, I'm about as as, as as some people would say I'm pretty irreverent in some senses, um, particularly when it comes to this podcast or just like life in general. I don't really get judgy about folks. Um, I, nothing really makes me clutch my pearls. And I wasn't saying I didn't see this and was like, oh my god, what's this guy doing? I could see this is one of those where I could see how others did it. The dude hits a double and starts flipping off the outfield while he's running. Why you just look like a jackass? Why is that necessary? What if yeah. you get thrown out going for third? Does that make yeah. the flip off cool? Like I, I just that that just I don't know. I'll throw it to you. I just I don't have any strong opinions on that. But mine was just like, you look like an idiot. Honestly, I didn't even think it yep. looked cool. Uh, I'm done with Tennessee. I mean, it's over the top. I'm, I'm going to say something particularly stupid. Um, if for some reason Ole Miss did have a coaching opening, and I don't, I don't really, I hope they don't, obviously. But if they did, I, I don't really want to hear Tony Vitello's name. I'm just, I'm, I'm not interested. Um, you know, and, and he probably wouldn't leave Tennessee for Ole Miss. But I just, man, that, that it. Look, they play a different way, and that's fine. But um, is it fair for me to just say I don't like it? Like I'm not calling anybody out. I'm not necessarily saying it's wrong, but. I just kind of don't like the way they play baseball. Is is, is that is that a fair thing to say? But so does does anyone like it? Because look, you and I, I feel yes, like the same yes, there are about ten thousand or a hundred thousand people in in Northeast Tennessee that like it. No one's going to admit it, but I bet there are quite a few of them that are like, okay, this is. No one's ever going to do it because it's you know college sports tribalism, all that. I get it, but I you I can't imagine there. I would be embarrassed sometimes if that was Ole Miss. I just like. I can't even think of like an equivalent example. I, again, I just go back to I love bat flips. I think they're the funniest, not funniest. I think they look very cool. Um, I like the creative celebrations. I like anything that makes college, like baseball in general more emotional. Um, I think that's something that MLBs lacked in the past, and you know that's something. It's always interesting watching like the World Baseball Classic and seeing how intense the fans get from pitch to pitch, and like that's kind of what like I see in college baseball sometimes. I'm like, this is amazing. I just don't understand some of the Tennessee aspect of it. Like the again, I ask again. Like, does just flipping off the dude when you're rounding first does does that even look cool? Like, and you just I was like, what are you doing? You're just a jackass. Like, he, I, I don't know. I've run out of ways to say anything about it, but it's like, why? Why is that necessary? It's it's Georgia Tech. 
It's not even like they were playing Vanderbilt or anything. Like, I just no. I, I don't really understand it. And then it is kind of wild. And look, I get the villain storyline, and they are a fascinating villain from a ten thousand foot view. But in the sense that just like the coach is like cool with it, that 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 just seems more lame than anything else to me. To me, yeah, I, yeah, I'm done with it. I've I've kind of been on this train for a while. I, I do not like the way Tennessee plays, and you know, I'm not you know saying that hey, you can't play that way or you're dispersing the game of baseball, bringing disgrace to it, but um, just not for me. So, um, kind of just hope Notre Dame, who's a good program, kind of got screwed out of regional, um, kind of gets some in Knoxville this weekend. That'd be good for them to get College World Series. Well, I just like some people like didn't used to like the, some of the like the cockiness of the Golden State Warriors. I personally thought it was badass, but that would be different if like Steph Curry and Clay Thompson were just nut shotting people left and right. Like you're saying, I don't like the way they play. Who is that for? Like tennis, like they, who who would enjoy that? Like who who is that for? I mean, it's it even goes beyond like some. I mean, I watched that Bad Boys Piston documentary, and they took it across the line sometimes. But that was their identity. These dudes just are like new money douches. Anyway, I'd probably leave it at that. I, um, all right, here we go. Does Derek Diamond start game three of a – I think he means super regional if needed. I, I lean no on that. I lean no as well. I think that's a topic for Wednesday or Thursday whenever we do this, but uh, I definitely lean no. Um, should John Jay announce the super? Uh, is Father's no. listening? Yes. If he's not, no. So, this is probably – the, you probably get the good announcers for this one. Like, this is probably where Peterson is, you think? I'd have to see the other matchups. Uh, well, I mean, it's Tennessee, Notre Dame, Oregon State, or excuse me, uh, likely Stanford and then UConn. So, I'm, he's probably not going there. Uh, I know it's his all modern all. Oregon State and Auburn, um, I believe. That's is the candidate. Um, sure. Uh, the 413 is Virginia Tech and Oklahoma. Um, then you have Louisville and Texas A&M, um, Ole Miss and Southern Miss. Then you have North Carolina and Arkansas. And then you have East Carolina and Texas. ECU Texas is kind of a sneaky, interesting one. But honestly, from the main storyline standpoint, everyone's been the last week talking about how Notre Dame got screwed. That versus Tennessee will be a really good one. Um, but I'd, say, I'd put Ole Miss on the Mount Rushmore of where Peterson could go. Yeah, I, I need I – need. so it was funny. I might think it's Burke. Yeah, Peterson was was in Auburn this weekend, and so I flipped off the Ole Miss game um, on Sunday night and turned it right to the Auburn game, and it was just like it went from John Jay announcing to Kyle Peterson. It's like, oh wow, my ears are refreshed now. Yeah, I bet you wondered if you like took an edible or something. Like, whoa, this is like a whole different dimension here. <laughs> I can't imagine actually going through that. That would be so different. And I, I hate that, that, that. Again, I read a decent – I was actually kind of bored on Sunday and was reading a decent bit about John Jay. He seems like a great human being, a very nice guy. He is. Jeez, that someone, someone, someone put him in a bad spot. Chad Segrist, what was your favorite milkshake this weekend? Will you repeat that? It was the Ole Miss one. There's no way I'm eating that crap that's got, like, hot sauce in it. Yeah, so I didn't – obviously, I didn't go. I, I'm just a grease salesman now, pal. But um, I, uh, I I didn't try that. I, Chase was trying to explain to me that on Thursday. kind of broke my brain a little bit. I don't want any part of – when ranch was in there, buffalo and ranch? Yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm out on that. that. That sounds miserable. Yeah, no thanks. This isn't fear factor. Like, I don't, I don't need Joe Rogan being like, he's got to finish it. Um, all right, here we go. Uncle Rico or Donnie Dong 69. We got some interesting names in here. Um, do you ride with this lineup to Omaha or leave McCants and Leatherwood in the dust? We kind of already addressed that a little bit. Yeah, uh, who do you start in hypothetical game three? We'll again hit this Thursday rapid fire. 
Just uh, Jack Washburn. Yeah, I think I'm Washburn too. And I think it's Washburn. Could you do like almost like a combo Washburn Gaddis? Depending on I how mean, it goes. If you haven't burned one or if you haven't burned Gaddis. Yeah, I think I'm going to. Hey, I will ask you this. Um, Mike was not ready. So this was interesting to me. Mike was not ready to announce the starter after um, Last the night game. After, uh, yeah, but as soon as the Arizona game ended, they were ready to announce the starter. What do you think of that? It was so to me, and and I, I, I know I'm cutting you off, but like that was, hey, if it's a, if it's Miami, we're going to throw the lefty. I, I mean, otherwise, what's the difference? No, I think you're probably right. And I don't know Miami's left-right splits, but I I was just thinking like a better. It's not even better quality offense is what you have left. Yeah, you're probably right. I was thinking either Gaddis or Washburn, kind of that. Um, no, but I'm with you there. Um, and maybe it was just him covering his bases and just kind of trying to see, assess the situation after the fact. But I, I think you're probably on to something there. Yeah, Jason, I, I, Jason Bates. Keith Carter. Will Keith Carter extend Bianco before leaving Miami or wait till they get back to Oxford? Wait and see, pal. We got a lot of these. MVP of this game of the regional. Well, I can answer the second one to you, pal. Uh, Tim Elko. And then I'm going to also answer the first one for you, pal. Tim Elko. You got anything else to add there? <laughs> no, that's Tim Elko. Hypothetical starting pitching lineup for the Super. I think you keep it the same for two games, and then you just see where you're at with the third. I don't think you can run Derek Diamond out there unless you've had really dire circumstances in the first two. Uh, Yeah. I just – I mean, unless you've had to die to get through a game two um and throw everyone and it went 17 innings i don't i don't know how that's the route you go um so so i'll say it like this um the goal of this program that is in the six is in the final 16 teams um butch thompson said this your goal if you're here is to win the national title it's yeah you want to get to omaha and that's great now your goal is to win the national title i don't know how Ole Miss can win the national title without making and change their game three starter, if that makes sense. So I don't, I don't know why you would be reluctant to make that change. It's a great point. Will Ben Van Cleve get his home run in Hattiesburg? I'm just going to say yes repeatedly until this doesn't happen. Ben Van Cleve gets his home run in Hattiesburg, but they better, by God, win the Super Regional. Michael Pace, how big is USM's park, and will park size play? Plays small. It All plays right. small. And it's going to play real small in what I assume is going to be really hot uh, environment. I'll throw you a statistic out there, too. I'm going to make sure I have this correct. Um, actually, that's going to take me a second now because as soon as I say that. Um, Southern Miss led the uh, Conference USA in pretty much every category. They either allowed the fourth or fifth most home runs in the conference. That was the one stat they are pretty average at, and that's a small ballpark. Something to ponder. Something to chew on there. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's a good team, really good team, and it's going to be a raucous environment. Where can we get tickets? Already booked my hotel. That's a that's a media relations question, pal. I'm just a yeah. You got nothing on that. It's go. I'll say this: it's gonna be hard as hell for Ole Miss folks to get tickets. Um, through Ole Miss, they ain't getting many. Um, better luck on stuff up. That's gonna be. A, I don't even say it. low key makes it sound like it's not a great environment. Right? The the Peak Taylor Park can be a great environment. That's going to I think surprise some people how hostile it is because that's a place where it feels like everything's on top of you. And it's, like, kind of wide open. It's not like your typical SEC stadium. There's a lot of, like, seat yourself right field, I think, down some of the third base line a little bit as well, maybe first base on that is. All I'm saying is it's a little more lax there. Like, if some dude, like, snuck in a bow staff or something, I wouldn't be totally shocked. It, it, it'll be rowdy in a different way, if that makes sense. Hey, you remember when we thought the SEC was down? And yeah. now they make up 25% of the teams in the Super Regional. 
Is there just I had this I had excuse this me more than that because I've got Tennessee made it, but yeah, maybe the SEC one now. It's just a year where everyone's lost so much starting pitching. Ole Miss, you know, that's another thing we had talked about with Ole Miss. They didn't lose any starters to injury, and it feels like almost every other club has in some sense. Not literally mm-hmm. everyone, but you get the point. Like, is that playing into it as well? Like, it was the SEC down. Or did you just run out of a – not even like a talent cycle. You just catch one of those years where there's not that many top-end draft guys. And then on top of that, you got a bunch of dudes that get hurt as well. Because, of, you know, we're still – from an injury standpoint, there's still something to the COVID thing, I think. We've talked about this briefly before. So, is it just a weird year in college baseball and we mistook that for the SEC being down? Is that possible? Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Um, I'll say this. Um, Tennessee's the clear favorite. But outside of Tennessee – um, none of these teams are that much better than the other. Uh, excuse me. I'm going to rephrase that. Outside of Tennessee and Virginia Tech, nobody's that much better than the other. You were bullish on the Hokies. Did you see what they did this weekend? Yep, and you were dead on with it. I just haven't watched a ton of them until this weekend. I mean, I'm on the train. I just don't know a ton about them. They are going to – and I hope I'm wrong because I kind of like Skip Johnson in Oklahoma, and especially after they beat Florida this weekend, who I have no use for. Um, but they're, they're going to hurt Oklahoma's feelings this weekend. Will Kemp Alderman catch an inning in Hattiesburg? If I'm just um, inside joke here. I hope not. Yeah, I hope not, too. He caught an inning this year, right? But well, was, they, they didn't finish the inning, but yeah. Yeah, as I say. That was Hattiesburg there. Have you heard that this is Mike Swan's song, his choice regardless of the season outcome? Uh, no, I have not that heard is, That is not true. There, There is some Twitter stuff going around that he has agreed that he is going to step down at the end of the year. Um, I – that. I can't say for 100%. Oh, no, I, know, no I, I can tell you that's not true. I, I know yeah. – just call it a guess. Uh, actually, no, don't call it that. Um, I do know that if, if that's the actual rumor, that is definitely not true. I can't predict – There is a rumor going around on social media, not in, in actual in circles that, um, you know, that, that where rumors for sometimes are true. Uh, this It is on Twitter and stuff that he has agreed to step down at the end of the year. I That is not true. Yeah, that feels like Butthole Reb 69 just started to count. I don't actually think it's an Ole Miss fan starting it, but yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, Mike acts for like a normal human during one postseason media availability. Everyone thinks something's wrong with him. Um, All right, let's see. More windows or doors in the wall? That's – I can't do that. I'm out. I'm out. It's it's, it's doors, but I'm out. When will the (laughs) – it doesn't sound like you're out. I I can't do that. We'll do that another time. Summer summer topic. I, I'd spend ten minutes on that. My brain's too distracted. Wait, wait, hold on. What's your what's your answer? I've never put it in thought of it. I guess it would be windows because you, a house has like four. Or we, I can't do this. Is this? I have a room right now with two doors. Um, an apartment with ten. I don't know. But what? Yeah, we'll do this later. Well, I'm in a room with one door and three windows. Checkmate. I don't know. Was it refrigerator door? Anyway, I can't do this. Um, when will Elko's statue be built? I don't know if that needs to happen. If this team gets to the College World Series, don't you have to? People are big statue guys. There's a lot of way to honor the guy without a statue. I mean, Mike, the, a lot of you that want Mike Bianco fired, guess what? His 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 large melon is uh, enshrined with a bust outside of Tiger Stadium. I don't know if you guys know that. Um, so How ironic. So, I'm not a big, like, uh, karma person, but that, thank God that thing's not at Baton Rouge because – if, if if their karma existed, there's no way in hell they lose that super in Baton Rouge. If they do, that's just the saddest thing ever. Oh, it's 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 unbelievable. And then like the, I mean, look, if they'd have gone down to Baton Rouge, the fact that Mike has a son on the other team would have been like the oh. weirdest storyline. Yeah. Wow, that was a uh, man. 
that's a hard day for the Bianco family today. You had two kids playing in regional game sevens. One of them won, one of them lost. Um, and then your dad, uh, Mike, obviously planned to go to a super regional too. That, uh, that's, a, that's a hard day. Well, hard, more hard days were coming, I guess, had they both won. Um, I, I don't know Cammie Bianco. She seems like a very nice lady. That would be a tough weekend. Oh, um, my God. Uh, particularly given the stakes on one side of it, too. Josh Mallett starts game three. Eh, whatever. I don't know if he'll be available. I don't know how. So, so let me say this. If Ole Miss gets to a game three and John, Josh Mallett is not warm, warmed up, yeah, by all means. I don't know how that happens. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, Sip got two more left. Can we get back in a one-month trade? Say that again. Can we get Doug back in a one-month trade? He asks. What are we? What are we? What are we trading? Well, I think it's only fair. That, I, I, if I can make that happen, there's a lot of things I'll trade. I think it's only fair that they give Ole Miss Doug. You can't trade draft picks in the MLB, but it's a college team, so that seems to go out the window. A couple first-round picks. Okay. And. Maybe Mike can send that analytics guy he used to never use. I'll trade. I take. Yeah, it's true. I'll trade half my savings account for Doug this weekend. Make that happen. Okay, being a little facetious, but I think I'd feel real good on Monday if I had Doug McCasey. We'll call that into the Cleveland front office. Um, last question, Michael Pace. Did why did they let the Rebs get hot? Well, you got a point there, pal. That's a very people. People keep asking that, and it's a it's a fair point. You know, Tim told them not to, and and damn it, they did. Great way to end the uh, question section there. Last thing I have for you, just in case you have anything, uh, anything jump out at you this weekend? Um, no. Uh, there was a lot of game sevens today, nine of them to be exact. So, um, that was fun. Can I – all right, I'm going to present to ridiculous? you – I wanted to ask you one thing. What do you make of the absurd run totals? Okay. Um, offenses are better. The ball being juiced is a legitimate discussion, but I'm going to bring something else to you. Um, there's an uptick in, in, in velocity that, that is going around college baseball. That has something to do with it, I think, um, because guys are not just getting – so Ben Joyce that throws 100 for Tennessee gets hit. Like, he doesn't just run his 102-mile-an-hour fastball by everybody. I think the upward trend in velocity has something to do with it. Um, but I'm going to ask you this, and, and I thought about this last night. There were nine game sevens, okay, which means um, a team that was, what, three and one, or excuse me, two and one, beat the team that was two and oh, and they had to play, play a winner take all game. There, there were seven, excuse me, nine of those. Do you think that because guys are throwing so much harder nowadays that even the down the bottom of the barrel pitchers um, can go out and have a better day? And, and give your team a chance to advance, whereas like seven or eight years ago when you didn't have everybody bumping 95 to 97 miles an hour, uh, when you got past the first few guys, you were just kind of screwed. Like, do you think that's, that's a trend? Because I, I'm starting to believe that, that, that you guys, because guys throw so hard nowadays, that you can find somebody that can just go have a day, um, and all of a sudden you're in a winner-take-all game coming out of the loser's bracket. So you're saying guys have gotten so used to velo when they don't have like that top end velo, it's actually an advantage to the pitcher that doesn't have that type of velocity kind well, of. Well, no, 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 that's not what I'm, I guess. What so what I'm saying is because everybody throws so hard nowadays that even the guys that are your nine, ten, or eleven pitcher, if he goes out and has it on a day, like he's got a much better chance to send you into a winner take all game. Whereas you know, like nine or ten years ago. 
your 9, 10, 11 pitchers throwing a flat 88-mile-an-hour fastball and doesn't really have that opportunity, if that makes sense. I think there's something to that. And on top of it, like you mentioned, that the ball is being juiced is a real discussion. Um, like, the, did you know – like, the, the, fir- like the first home run of the Coral Gables Regional, I think – I don't remember how Kanisha scored. Actually, wasn't the first home run. Miami's first home run. The guy yeah, hit Yo-Yo the hit three. He hit a pop fly to left field. Yeah. Excuse me, right field. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. They got out of the inning. And then the kid kept, like, drifting, drifting, drifting. And then it went, like, 15 feet over the fence. Yeah. And so, like, that's probably – I mean, that, that combined with the velocity is probably part of it. And then when you have that many long balls, that many home runs, you're getting more variance. But I do think there's something to your theory there. So, I mean, I don't know. It's just like – I mean, look, Oklahoma State was down 12 to nothing and won the game, what, 29-15? Yeah. Um, now, some of, some of that is four-seed pitching in yeah, day sure. three is bad. Sure. I mean, they were down 12 to nothing and had a 17-14 lead two innings later. Yeah. Um, and Oklahoma State can really hit. But, yeah, that was – it. look, there's certainly a, a middle ground that you like to find. Um, but, man, here's my thing. Um, I remember 2011 through about 2015 in the College World Series, and it, it was unwatchable. Um, I will tell you this. This was the most exciting regional weekend I remember in a long, long time. Um, Sunday night. If you were sitting in front of televisions on Sunday night watching this, like, stuff got crazy. When you talk about A&M and, and TCU and Oklahoma, Arkansas, Oklahoma State and Arkansas and um, um, Southern Miss and LSU, stuff got nuts. And um, UConn and Maryland went into extras. It was an awesome weekend of baseball. So, I guess what – I don't want them to go change something that we look up in two years and it's like, oh, it's a boring game again. Because that was the case from 2011 through 2015. We couldn't really hit that well. Um, and and, and if, if the high run totals are a consequence for us to have what we had this weekend, then I'm just kind of in on it. Because this, this – especially Saturday and Sunday night were awesome. Uh, man, I could not agree more. I've replayed that three, four times if I could. Last night, I'll, I'll give you a little inside baseball just from my personal perspective. I was in a wedding on uh, over the weekend, as we've probably said way too many times on this podcast. But I, uh, I didn't get to watch a ton on Friday night, particularly because I knew Ole Miss wasn't playing. And I caught some at the bar after the rehearsal dinner and all that. And I got to watch during the day on Saturday, but was clearly out of it until the Ole Miss game. I, to say I locked back in would probably be an understatement. I had to go replay it a little bit on the way home. But uh, the, everyone was gathered around a bar TV for the last part of the uh, reception of that. Point being, I didn't get to like sit down and watch like squeeze play and stuff like that. But Sunday, once I got done recording with Chase, I was cutting up the pod and I was putting it out on the uh, on the internet. And I'm watching the Arkansas Oklahoma State. I'm watching TCU. Um, Texas A&M, I'm watching – there was another one in there too, and then I watched a little bit of the Texas State-Stanford game. And I finished uh, recording the pod – I mean, putting the pod, up, like, live. And then I was like, all right, I'm just going to watch a second of this till this game ends. And then I did this – and then the Arkansas-Oklahoma State game ended, and I was like, I'm going to watch this Texas A&M-Texas-TCU uh, game till it ends. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, shit, it's midnight. I have to get up at 6. 
<laughs> I was like, I'm in trouble here. And so now I'm running on just absolutely no sleep, but I was literally nothing else. It, was, it wasn't me just like restless staying up, just kind of pilling around. I was like so captivated by like how those games played out last night. I looked up and it was midnight. And I was like, oh, I'm in trouble here. Like I, I had no idea. I mean, I knew it was like kind of later and it should have been, but I was just kind of captivated for, I would say two hours or so. It was incredible stuff. And look, and this is just a random example that I saw that has no connotation on like how anyone feels about the guy. When like Clay Travis or someone in the, you know, culture war sphere on Twitter is tweeting about like, did y'all know there's seven elimination games in college baseball today? This is like the most drastically undercovered sport of all time. When you're reaching people like that, I think you kind of have something there as a product. Like you pick it up what I'm putting down there. Like, yeah, it's the, it's the most I've ever seen it interact with on social media, which is awesome. And um, play is kind of becoming – look, I'm not going to say it's becoming NFL red zone, but people are – I see – my dad texted me. Who, he's anti-technology to the nth degree. and was like, this squeeze play is awesome. I'm like, yeah, it is. Like, they have something here. When you put urgency on baseball and you can go from game to game to game, they have something here, and I think it's only going to continue to grow. So, we have uh, – we had two TVs set up at the apartment, and we – you. Uh, on Apple TV, it lets you do a quad box. So we put eight games, like four on each TV. It was, it was, it was kind of awesome. Um, so it was, and, and like all eight games at some point in time um, were interesting. It was, it was a really fun weekend of, of baseball. It's not quite over yet as we record. We're getting, or excuse me, Texas State and uh, Stanford tied at one in the fourth. Whoever wins that game will host UConn in a super if it's Texas State or, or Stanford. Um, that would be but, a cool yeah. Texas State story to San Marcos get. Would be. Um, as, as someone looked, that Ole Miss is on that side of the bracket. I kind of hope Texas State pulls it off um, because I don't really want Stanford in the College World Series. So um, I know that's a long ways away, especially considering what Ole Miss has gone through the past two postseasons, but um, certainly something to look for. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say on this before we get out of here and hopefully catch the end of that game is like, the other part, piece of this is, like, everyone's like, well, why isn't this covered more? It's like, well, it actually is. This stuff just takes time. Now we can watch all of these games, and we have stuff like squeeze play. We have these local announcers, whether it's just spazzing me with John Jay sometimes. You can watch all these games. Could you? I can't remember when exactly the streaming thing started, but when Ole Miss played the TCU or uh, Texas A&M. They can, they, okay, so I can tell you because I actually watched it. They, Ole Miss um, – that regional was on ESPN, like watch ESPN, but that was not commonplace. They were just specifically chosen. That regional was to be on watch ESPN. Um, it was not um, streamed by – not every regional was streamed that year. I can tell you that the next year it was. So 2013 is the first year that ESPN streamed every regional. That's 10 years ago. It takes time. Yes. This stuff takes time. And so the yeah. more and more people are getting into it and investing into it, I don't think it's the it, – I don't agree with the take that it's like no one knows about this is undercover. It's taking time for people to notice. And, I mean, we've done this together on the pod the last two years. Haven't you noticed it more and more every year? People are like, wow, yes. college baseball postseason stuff's awesome. It's like, yes. Think about what that will be five years from now. I'm not saying it's ever going to be – you know, I mean, it's still a non-revenue sport for most schools. I get it is what it is. But just this year, postseason product, think about what that will be five years from now. It takes time yep. to kind of build this stuff. Yep. Yep. And – uh it's uh next weekend's gonna be crazy too. It's gonna be crazy. Um, man, it's uh, gosh, I cannot believe this team is in a super regional. It just the the, the thought of it is just insane to me. An absolutely perfect ending to the podcast. I appreciate the time, my man. We'll preview the uh, preview the uh, Hattiesburg super regional later in the week, but uh, we will catch you probably Thursday, Friday, sometime. All right, sounds good. 
All right, that is our show. I appreciate you guys making us a part of your day. Really love this time of year. Really love, obviously, the feedback on the pod, both good and bad, but really enjoy kind of this time of year, I feel like, is our bread and butter, and uh, it means a lot when you guys kind of interact with the podcast and uh, definitely demand emergency pods and stuff. So uh, this this is a pod for the people, by the people, and we'll be back on probably Thursday, if I had to take a guess. We'll have to look at Ole Miss's Super Regional schedule that will be out by the time most of you are listing this in adjustment there. But we'll be back later this week. Thanks, as always, for making this podcast a part of your day, and we'll uh, we'll hire you again soon. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash blue wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.